Hi, everyone. First and foremost, thank you all for being here today. And thank you to our speakers and our sponsors. I truly appreciate you. My mission for this event is for us to help as many people as we can. It is important now more than ever to raise awareness and educate others about anxiety and what anxiety truly is. For these reasons, this panel has both men and women to teach you more about anxiety. Each survivor is more than their stories. Now, at the end of this event, we encourage you to sign up for our anxiety discussion group. The anxiety discussion group is for all attendees of this global virtual panel of anxiety survivors event today to continue to discuss anxiety in a safe place after the event. No one should feel alone. Therefore, I'm going to put this link in the chat now for all of you to join our discussion. Thank you. And I'll turn it over to our master of ceremonies for our event, Melanie Ake. Welcome, Melanie Ake. Melanie Ake is the founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting, a certified John Maxwell team leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. And as a certified Y Institute agent, she helps others discover their own why. Welcome, Melanie Ake. Thank you so much, Gigi. I so enjoy all of the panels that we've been doing to change the world. This is the Global Virtual Panel of Anxiety Survivors event, and we bring together so many people. What a perfect time to be celebrating people that are surviving through COVID and everything we've experienced this last year. Gigi, you have had a vision to bring people together for bigger causes, and we celebrate you. You are a motivational speaker, keynote speaker, best-selling author two times, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast and JRQ TV, a financial expert and CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC. We celebrate you for your vision and bringing us all together today. I'd like to share some statistics as we begin this event. Because we've all been affected in some way by anxiety, our panelists will be sharing their own experiences to help you be better equipped for surviving in today's world. Due to COVID-19, 19.53% of adult Americans claimed that their mental health had been negatively affected in 2020. People sheltering in place reported higher levels of stress and worry, 47% greater over COVID-19 than people who were not sheltering in place at 37%. I'm excited for these panelists to share their stories and help us to be better equipped. Grab your journals and let's get started. Our first keynote speaker is Deborah Beecham. She's the founder of Navigating Justice in Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome to our program, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're muted. There we go. All right. So hi, Gigi. Hi, Melanie. It's great to be here again. Um, I'm so looking forward to all of our panelists today. Um, every event that you've hosted has been so meaningful to me. I've learned so much from each of the speakers. Um, but I'm going to start off with kind of lead into my story with, um, I think, maybe I'll call it my secret weapon and not to get too preachy, but in the Bible, there's at least 365 references that say, do not be afraid, fear not over and over again. And so that tells me that at least 
for one, for at least for every day of the year, there's a command for me to not fear. And what that means for me is that I have to trust in God, which means I have to let go of control, which is very hard for me. And what I've learned, and I'll, as, I, as my story unfolds, I've learned that the more I try to control, the more anxious I am. The more anxious I am, the harder I have to work, the more I have to engage to dispel the anxiety. So the good news is that it's possible. Um, my anxiety was so debilitating that um, I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't exercise. It really just took over my life. And so what started anxiety for me was leaving an abusive marriage um, and going into the court system. The, the court system is, has a lot to do with my work with parents and children because I learned the hard way that things don't go as you expect, which is true in all of life, but there's so much uncertainty. There's so much that is unknown. There's so much that is kept from you that induces, intentionally induces anxiety. Um, that's kind of the name of the game in a lot of litigation. So what, what I experienced and in, in twice over the course of 10 or 12 years was a threat around taking my children and what the litigation then did, um, in addition to creating a lot of fear and anxiety, it led me to become homeless, be in financial distress for years. And those things individually and together are, you know, big anxiety generators. So fortunately, I was starting to come out on the other side of that, but then COVID hit. So that didn't, that didn't help. Um, but I've learned that I could dig deep. I almost brought my Bible in here to show you because you can see how you can see in my Bible from all the flags and all the, there's just so much stuff flowing out of my Bible going into and coming out of it because I relied on the word of God so heavily from the depths of depression and just gripping anxiety. Um, and that's really how I survived it. it. It wasn't that I had money to see a therapist. Um, it wasn't that I was able to get a lot of exercise. So I really relied on the word of God. So I, I do want to say that um, none of us can say we have nothing and no help. We, we have God and we have the word of God. And since we're all human, it's, I'm going to say, I always knew that I had the word of God and I had my faith, but I still needed help. I still needed help in person. I needed people and I needed tools and strategies to deal with anxiety. Um, so I'm going to just give out a few quick um, pieces of information about things that I've done. Um, I was fortunate enough to have um, someone sponsor me in seeing a medical clinic that does brain scans. And this, I, I've never met anybody else who's done this, but to be able to see in my brain what anxiety looks like and what depression looks like and what post-traumatic stress disorder looks like in my brain, it gave me something tangible 
that I could see and then work at because I, I like to see and touch things and um, so that gave me it kind of gave me my marching orders that I knew that if I followed the protocols, the exercise, the hydration, the diet, prayer and meditation, um, supplements, that if I did all of these things and I did them intentionally, I could chip away at not just the feelings of anxiety, but my habits because anxiety is habit forming. We started, I started to rely on, like I knew that I was going to feel anxious every day and it became habit forming. Um, so when you're dealing with anxiety, you have to look at how much you're trying to control the situation. You have to look at your habits and, um, and be intentional. And so I'm, I may wrap up here, but I'm going to say that if you're dealing with something really extreme that's inducing anxiety and you're having a hard time managing it, um, feel free to reach out. I know a lot of the panelists are going to say the same thing. We have fantastic professionals in here. Um, but at navigatingjustice.org, I focus on helping parents and children. And a lot of it is managing the uncertainty and the fear um, that goes into litigation. But if you're dealing with a family conflict, whether there's litigation or not, um, feel free to reach out to me at navigatingjustice.org. And that's something that we can talk through and you know help direct you to the right resources. Um, but I'm going to come back to, I'm going to finish on prayer and meditation. Every day now, I know that I'm getting up at a certain time, I'm heading into meditation, and I'm giving myself time to rest and exercise before I take on the stressful world that I work in. So I hope that helps. And thank you for having me. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Deborah. It's so great to see you again. You too, Melanie. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is the body's response to worry and fear. And you just heard Deborah say, the Bible says, fear not. So we should listen and we should pay attention. This is what this conference is all about, to give you strategies to be able to equip yourself to live every day with success. Our next panelist, our first panelist, Kelly Hoff. Kelly is a certified holistic health and wellness coach, stress resilience and mental wellness trainer, nutritional psychologically practitioner, psychology practitioner, certified life coach, speaker, author, and mental health advocate. She trained as a health coach at the Institute and has served countless clients by working together to relieve their chronic stress, anxiety, depression, and digestive issues. So this is all related. Her personal journey began over 12 years ago with her daughter's health challenges, including autism and seizures. She later experienced her own health challenges that were rooted in chronic stress. Kelly decided to master the art and science of gut-brain connection, which leads to transformational and lasting healing. Her clients now experience peace, energy, joy, and enthusiasm for life again. Welcome to the panel, Kelly. Hi there, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you too, Gigi. You're welcome. Thank you. So uh, like you said, um, yeah, I'm a speaker, author, and coach, 
And, but for me, it was not always this way. Um, my journey actually started kind of, especially my mental health journey started long before my daughter's health issues, like 13 years ago. So um, going back, um, yeah, it wasn't always that great for me. Um, at 23, I had sudden onset OCD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. And with that um, came lots and lots of anxiety. Um, and really it, it, at 23, my life um, took a drastic change and um, I was no longer the person I had been. Um, you know, I had a little bit of generalized anxiety before that, but nothing debilitating whatsoever. Things I could deal with and, you know, it's kind of a pain here and there, but not such a big deal. But um, at 23, suddenly um, I found myself pretty much bedridden for three months. Um, I took um, hour long showers, didn't ever feel clean, um, you know, had a lot of like contamination issues with that OCD. And then there was the high anxiety to go along with that. And on top of like every day I would feel high anxiety and, and then um, I would have panic attacks on top of that. So um, once your body goes through all of that, you are just completely depleted. And it just, it, it absolutely takes everything out of you. Um, so I spent a good three months in bed. Um, it could take me 30 minutes to put on a pair of pants kind of a long story, but um, it, it wasn't a pretty picture for sure. Um, and I was on lots of medication, 100 milligrams of Prozac. Um, I was on Boost Bar and Clonopin, uh, you know, high, high amounts of everything just to like kind of barely make it sense. And I always knew there had to be something different, better and more that I could be doing. Um, but I went back to psychologists, psychiatrists, um, internal medicine, I even went to a neurologist. I thought, oh, the neurologist, they're going to have my answer. You know, they, they're going to know, like, what else can I do besides this medication and just, you know, having some talk therapy. But across the board, I got, no, this is it. This is all there is. And, you know, when I was 23, that's a long time ago now. That's like 30 years ago. Um, and things, you know, luckily have progressed a lot since then. But, um, you know, I just knew there had to be something better. And I really had a gut feeling there had to be something better. So I did a lot of research on my own and finally figured out that, you know, really a holistic approach is the best way for anxiety. Um, you can't just treat like, you know, one thing. Um, and the other thing is with all that medication I was on, um, you know, 80% of serotonin, 60% of dopamine is actually made in the gut and it sends the brain. And so if you are just taking medications, you know, SSRA medication to keep your serotonin up in your brain, well, if you're not making very much and it's not, you know, being transported the way it needs to be, um, then, you know, you're not going to get much better on that, even high amounts. So um, the, the short, the short answer of the story is that holistic approach, um, holistic being, you know, you want to do um, good nutrition, get out in nature, get out in sunshine, have vitamin D, um, nutritional supplements, um, grounding your feet, you know, going out barefoot, standing in the grass, um, checking your mindset, you know, check every hour if you need to, you know, what, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking about? Um, are they serving you well or are they depleting you, body, mind, and spirit? And um, so through all of that, uh, I've learned a lot and come a long way. 
and um, I'm very functional now. My anxiety is quite low and um, super pleased with that. Now I help other people so they don't have to go through all the stuff I had to go through. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you so much. Thank you. Like you just heard Kelly describe, for many people with anxiety, their condition affects their ability to just simply function in everyday life. This is real. For those with generalized anxiety disorder, symptoms can include restlessness, just feeling on edge, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, or muscle tension. So these are signs to look for if you have it within you or someone that you love. Our next panelist, Stephanie Epstein, thank you so much for joining us today. She's the founder of Your Highest Heels Coaching, integrative wellness coach, mindset shifter, and spiritual mentor. Welcome to the panel, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Um, I'm Stephanie Epstein. I'm so grateful to be here um, and talking about such an important topic. And I'm honored to be speaking on this panel and I have suffered from anxiety almost my whole life. And I'll just be really vulnerable and honest and tell you about my story. Um, so when I was younger, I suffered a lot of trauma. And I remember when I was, I, I was probably 10 years old, I was at a restaurant and I felt like I couldn't swallow. And I was like, what is this? And when I look back at that, that was anxiety. That was my anxiety. And um, it was very scary. Like I felt it in my body. I felt it in my bones. I felt, I felt so anxious. And um, throughout my life, I just had these like little bouts of um, panic attacks throughout my life. And it would usually happen after something horrible in my life happens. Like my best friend died tragically when I was 17. And I just remember having a panic attack you know, a week later after she had died. And um, I also suffered like from just generalized anxiety throughout the day. And it's a very, very real illness. Um, and it's, it makes me emotional because it's, it's such, um, it, it can be very painful. And uh, about three, four years ago, I suffered from panic attacks for an entire summer. I had to leave school, I was in school. And I had to uh, take time off and I had already walked in graduation. And I remember uh, I was gonna be doing classes that summer to finish and I couldn't finish until the fall. And, you know, I look back at that experience and I just remember it felt like the world was closing in on me. And it was just a constant, constant feeling of anxiety and panic. Um, and the solution, um, I, I did not give up on finding what works for me. And there's so many different things that can work for different people, as I talked about in the depression panel, uh, that uh, we all have different ways and don't give up on finding your way that works for you. And I didn't give up. And I found doctors and I found therapists and I found people who helped me uh, work through this. I have a somatic experiencing therapist who helps me get the trauma out of my body um, that's a holistic way to, you know, deal with my anxiety, um, herbs and stuff like that. But I also, you know, do talk therapy and I also am on medication and I'll be real with you. I'm currently six months pregnant and I am on safe 
medication that is non-addictive because I also suffer from addiction. So I've had to find what works for me. And so all these things together, like the holistic route, the, the therapy, the medication, it all works for me. And that's just my story. And that's what works for me. And I just want to say that if you're struggling and you feel anxious, um, ask for help because it's out there. And when you find what works, keep doing it because it's a, it's a daily reprieve. And what I mean by that is it's like waking up and becoming willing every day to face it. And it's a mindset as well. So it's, it's all of these things for me. Um, there's so many different facets of, or facets or just ways of dealing with my anxiety. And one of the most important things to me, which I didn't say yet was meditation and prayer. Um, and really connecting with, with God and my higher power. And, um, I think that that's also helped ease my mind, my body and self-care is just so important. So if anybody's struggling out there, I'm always here to help. And, um, you never have to be alone with this. You don't. And that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much. I know you've been on several of these panels because you are a warrior. You have been through a lot and you just continue to strive and thrive. So we appreciate you being here today. Thank you. So a statistic on panic disorders. Panic disorders are characterized by unexpected and repeated panic attacks. People with panic attacks may try to avoid situations or constantly worry about when the next panic attack may happen. Some of these symptoms include heart palpitations or increased heart rate, sweating or chills, shaking, trembling, shortness of breath, sense or terror, or feeling of a loss of control. And I like how she just described, you know, trying to swallow and feeling like you can't swallow. Um, those things are real, right? That stress brings on um, just a lot of worry in people. So remember these things. And if you're experiencing those, reach out for help. Our next panelist, very excited to see Joe back on this panel, Joe Nicasio, uh, author, speaker, and marketing coach. Welcome to the panel today. Hey, I was trying to get my background changed, but uh, having a little technology issues, but thanks for having me. Um, yeah, anxiety, depression, bipolar, you know, these things, uh, they're vicious little villains in our life, they're little demons that we need to slay. And they're, you know, um, you know, I think it, we all want to, you know, be happy. We want to have peace of mind. Uh, but my story is I went out, I hustled, I'm a smart guy, I made a million and I lost everything. And it was painful, it was humiliating. You know, the uh, the class yell for the School of Heart Knots is ouch. And, um, you know, things happen to us and it's it can be really painful. And, and you know, we wanna heal up from this stuff, but, you know, we're not always of clear mind when, when the trauma hits. We're not, you know, trauma uh, isn't, you know, I think as we age and mature, we learn to get grounding and be solid and have confidence. But, you know, when we go through some nasty stuff, it, it can really throw us, um, we can lose our grounding and get off of our game. And so um, I went through this stuff. I went through major depression, which isn't suicidal on a scale of one to 10. A 10 is suicidal, nine is major depression. And so, uh, when I went in for therapy, when I said, hey, I'm losing it, you know, um, 
I had all these bill collectors calling me. I was shut. I was juggling all these things in my life, taking pride of my multitasking and taking on the world. Uh, but it all crashed and burned. And you know, a smart guy wants to use his brain, and you you race that brain, and and it goes into mania, it goes into depression, it goes into anxiety. And so, um, one of the, I, I have learned, you know, when when we have the racing brain, uh, it burns out our serotonin. And um, so we can actually, we, you know, a large part of depression and, and anxiety is it's our own doing by not learning how to control our brain. Uh, a racing brain is actually super good if you're a mathematician like I used to be, okay? Um, you want to be quick with your brain, but not to the point where it's so quick that you burn out your own chemicals uh, and go into unresourceful state. So... You know, I went and I, I, you know, one of the most difficult things I, I did was to go to the Los Angeles Department, uh, Los Angeles County Department of Med Mental Health and ask for help. I need help. I'm losing it. That's not easy to, to admit that I'm having like mental problems. You know, we're, there's no pride in that. So, you know, they, they diagnosed me and they gave me a counselor and they gave me a psychiatrist. So I... I had the medical side and the counseling side. I mean, by the way, if you want, if you're having mental problems, the county will pay for these services for free. You just got to walk in, admit, I'm having a problem. I want help. You know, if you ask, you'll receive. But if you don't ask, you know, receiving is reserved for the askers. It's scripture, okay? And I went in and they put me on medications. You know, first I was on Serzal and they put me on you know, variety, you know, Depakote, and they put on the, you know, mood stabilizers, and the stuff helped, uh, but it didn't help completely, and then, you know, I'd go in three months later, and they would adjust, and next thing you know, I'm on five different medications having all kinds of wacky side effects. I mean, you know, the, the cure sometimes causes more problems, you know, and so I talked to my doctor. I said, look, I, I don't want to be on five medications. Here's my goal. And I think this is really important. My goal is to wake up in the morning and have a productive day. And at the end of the day, my goal is to hit the pillow and have a nice restful sleep. And so, you know, we adjusted the medications and they put me on Wellbutrin. I take Wellbutrin in the morning, which was the antidepressant. And in the evening they put me on, we finally got them to adjust to Valium. That was another thing was uh, they didn't want to put me on Valium because Valium has a, you can become dependent on it. So we had a little conversation. It's like, if you agree, Joe, to be med compliant, I'll give you the Valium. So 10 milligrams of Valium in the evening. And um, that was my goal. And, and, you know, once you actually have a goal of what does, you know, living a healthy lifestyle look like, sleeping in the evening and waking up and living in the day. And, and I think, you know, there's a book I read called Wide Awake at 3 a.m. by choice or by chance. And it was written by a guy who was a medical doctor who founded the Stanford Sleep Disorder Clinic. And did you know that there's no history of sleep disorders until the invention of the light bulb? You see, our biology, we have these things called circadian rhythms. And when it's dark at night, it triggers go to sleep chemicals. And when the sun hits in the morning, it triggers wake up chemicals. And what's happened is we have light bulbs all around us. We have uh, digital screens we're looking at and we're faking out our body chemistry. And so 
the first step towards getting into balance is actually recognizing that you have rhythms. And if you go against those rhythms, it will mess up your brain chemistry. But when you go with those rhythms, when, you, when you're in alignment with the rhythms that God gave us, you can move towards health and peace. Okay. And so, um, um, you know, I went through this stuff after seven years of therapy. My doctor said, you know, uh, Joe, you don't need medication anymore. You're well. And he said, there was nothing wrong with you from the day you walked in. It's just anybody that went through the crap that you went through would have been depressed. I went through trauma. I mean, I went through stuff in my own business. There was stuff going on in my family where there was bad business and one family member hired somebody to kill another family member. I mean, there was assassination attempts within the family. Um, and so there's a lot going on. And sometimes life can just get really, a lot of crap can go on and we don't know how to deal with it. So, I want, you know, there's something I want to leave with. It's something I learned from my karate sensei. Um, he talked about the five levels of suffering. And one of the things that, you know, pain is inevitable. Pain is the sensations in our body, but suffering is optional. Pain is the sensation. Suffering is all the storytelling that's not good. It's unresourceful. And I learned this in karate. One of the things we do is something called the kibadachi stance for 90 minutes. You, you drop into a squat and you stay there for an hour and a half. All the clocks are covered in the center circle are black belts looking out and you're sitting there and they're looking at you saying lower, just stay in that stance lower for 90 minutes. You're sweating, you're dripping, your legs are shaking. But one of the things I learned is the acceptance of the sensation. Just breathe with no story. Anyway, the first level of suffering is you don't suffer, but you pretend stuff happens. You're not that bad off, but boy, you pretend you're, you're a good faker. The second level of suffering is you suffer, but you quit. You feel the pain, you tell the story and you say, this isn't for me. The third le level of suffering is you suffer and it shows you grimace in your face. You make sounds. The weak mind is still active. The fourth level of suffering is you suffer and it doesn't show. You're just grinning and burying it. You, you, the suffering is there, but you're stronger. Uh, the mind tightens the weak side out. But the fifth level of suffering, and this is the place I think we want to attain, is suffering becomes only suffering. The mind is free through acceptance. We accept the conditions of our life. We're grateful even when times are tough. We're grateful under all conditions. And so when you're sitting there in that horse stance and you're feeling all those sensations, you just breathe and you accept I'm living here for 90 minutes and, and my mind is stronger than all the story. There's no room for storytelling. And so uh, the message I want to leave with is stuff happens to us, but how do we think about it and how can we get stronger in the face of those things? And, you know, I went through anxiety, I went through depression, I went through mania phases. Um, the medications helped, the counseling helped. But the thing that really helped is when I dropped to my knees and say, dear Jesus, I need your help. God, I tried it my way, it's not working, I'm gonna try it your way now. And the moment I made that decision to be in alignment with God, God is pure love. His fan club can be a little weird sometimes, but God is pure 
love. And when we're in alignment with his pure love, when we do things his way, you know, there's a Mormon scripture that says, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say. But when you don't do, there is no promise. And so God is not a punishing God. He's a loving God. And if you obey his commandments, he will he's 100 percent guaranteed to bless you. And if you don't do things his way, all bets are off the table. He's not a punishing God, but when you do his thing, his way, love, uh, 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 when you do things God's way, blessings are guaranteed. And one of the blessings that comes from knowing from the, knowing the atonement of Jesus Christ is we know that all of our suffering he took on for us. We don't have to experience it. Christ took that on for us so we can have peace. And peace is the opposite of anxiety. If you want, if you're having anxiety, drop to your knees, thank God for your blessings, and, and pass your suffering and your anxiety onto him, because that's what he died for. And uh, hopefully you can come to a place when people ask how you're doing, you can say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. What a great lesson the five levels. Remember that we can take control, right? It's not about what happens to us, but how we react to it. So we need to give that to God. It's an estimated 264 million adults around the globe have anxiety. Of these adults, 179 million were female. That's 63%. And 105 million were male at 37%. Our next panelist, Ambassador Maureen Mia Kasimji. Thank you so much for joining us today. You have quite a biography. I would like to celebrate you and read this. There's quite a bit of history here that you have for us. So the, the UNGIA Global Ambassador and Humanitarian, Ambassador of the Ladies of All Nations International UK, the Global Alliance for Humanity, Country Representative. You are the National Director in International Youth Society. You studied fields in law, psychology, and a financial forensic specialist, CEO and founder of the MEA Company, co-founder and director of NGO Helping Hands Social Society, Diploma in Leadership and Cultural Diversity, recipient of the Global WAW Award entering the Women's Hall of Fame, recipient of the Global Award selected as one of the top 100 successful women in business in the world, Global Empowerment, International Motivational and Inspirational Public Speaker, International Accredited Life Coach for Adults and Children, involved in various GBV forums, currently working on a program to assist abusers, member of the multitude of women's platforms and programs globally, child development and substance program originator, cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner and NLP master practitioner. You sit on the panel of the African Women in Business and Leadership, nominee for the Best Women Empowerment Specialist category for 2021 and the WIBL awards. Uh, you're a member of the Monero Business and Professional Women Forum member of the International Women's Chamber of Entrepreneurs Forum, heads up the COVID-19 platforms nationally to combat the effects in South Africa, 
involved in various few feeding schemes that hamper drives, winter warmer drives, youth and child development programs, awareness campaigns in locations, and door-to-door consults to aid the elderly, disabled, and the needy. Welcome to this panel. Thank you very much. I'm really honored to be here. Um, and I'd firstly like to thank everyone for the opportunity of me being here. Um, and secondly, I'd love to thank every panelist because I think in each one of our stories, there's lots of room for growth for each one of us too. So there's lessons in there. Um, in terms of my story and where anxiety comes in, um, as much as there's all of those accolades that you spoke of, there, you know, it's always not been rosy. There's been a lot of anxiety prior and a lot of growth that had to happen inside of me to propel me to get to these different accolades which you've mentioned. Um, MEA companies motivate, empower and advance. The humanitarian work for me started when I was growing up, but I'm an only child. And um, that is something that I think a lot of people don't think of in terms of anxiety. As an only child, you do grow up with anxiety because there's always this almost a pressure within you, whether it's created by others around you or created for you or yourself. You just have this tendency of, I want to be the best because I don't want to displease. So I grew up trying to be a people pleaser, trying to make everybody happy and proud. And you get to a specific point where you feel like, you know what? No, I think I need to be the rebel now. I'm tired of everybody being happy. I've, I've got everything for everybody and now it's just my turn. So you start to become what you're actually not and you, you go into this rebellious streak and you do everything. Um, but my total anxiety is twofold. Um, the first one was the anxiety of being the people pleaser because that created a whole level of me disputing who I should be, who my authentic self is, but you don't really bother about it at the time because you just want to get through what you have to get through. Um, but the second point of my anxiety came when I was lying in a bed crippled at the age of 24. Um, and I was told I'll never walk again and I won't be able to have kids. Um, and, you know, you lie there and there's so much ahead of you and, and there's no, you know, you normally would pace or you do something, but you're just lying there now and you get told this. Um, and that's where MEA was born, Motivate, Empower and Advance in my mind, because literally I defied the odds that were against me. Today I walk and I am a mother. So I'm not saying every illness can be defied, but I am saying a lot, a lot depends on your mental capacity and your mental state. And every single one of us in the world has got this capability of motivating yourself, empowering yourself and advancing yourself, which is how MEA was born. Um, and that's when I started doing what I wanted to do. So as much as you have um, the various academia in the law and the commerce and the, and the psychology, I just felt there was definitely this balance that needed to be there for everyone between your heart, your mind, your body and your soul. And I wanted to delve more into that, which is where the NLP and CBT and everything else came from. For me, knowledge is about me. Um, and I gain, I'll, I'll, I'm probably the lifelong learner. I'll keep studying and trying to learn more because the more I learn, the more I'm able to give off. And I always tell everyone this, that in any interview, I can have 20 degrees or 30 certificates. It really, the value of those certificates is only worth anything pending what I do with them to help humanity, um, what I can give off from, and that's the worth of a certificate. Um, but in terms of a message and that anxiety and how I built through everything, when I lay there, I had to decide and make a couple of points and be realistic about me. And as I lay there, I started to find the truth about me. I didn't like who I had become. That rebellious somebody was not really me. 
But then you also realize that the people pleaser was not really you. So I think I'll end with a message that, that that's very crucial and that's um, the way you talk to yourself, self-talk is really, really crucial in terms of how you define who you are. One of the problems we have with women, especially in the world um, and lots of our children is we, you know, we, we tend to try and define who we are based on standards that are based from, on, from other, outside of us, other people. We want to please them so their standards become what we need to define ourselves by, and that's where we go wrong. So we need to start to redefine that. And if you start to actually be aware of your anxiety symptoms, be aware of what's really happening with you, and do not ignore them. Because if you can grab it early and be realistic when you, when you start to become aware, you're able to really get through this. And even when you find it later, it's still not too late. You can still get the help. But the goal, the goal for me is that you need to be honest with yourself, okay? You're not gonna be able to change anything about you if you're not able to be honest with you. And the other thing I learned about life, and that's when um, last year COVID, I think changed life for everybody. But the one thing I learned through my anxiety levels is this art of gratitude. That, um, you know, even in the face of no matter what your adversity may be, if you can just say you're grateful for something, there's something that you can be grateful for on every single day, every single day. Um, and I taught this pre-COVID and I'll keep teaching it post-COVID. Um, and I've lost people very close to me um, during COVID itself. So um, people would ask me, you know, you're going out into the locations and you're doing all of this. Aren't you getting anxious? Aren't you getting scared? What if you're going to get the virus? And I'm like, here's the lesson, people. The virus is out there. I can't control the virus, but I can control me. I can control my efforts and what I'm doing to try and safeguard me, safeguard my family. But that's not just about the virus, that's about life. If we learn that I can control me, so let me focus on me and find my authentic being and live my journey for me, and that's half my battle won, instead of worrying about what I can't control, which is outside of me. So anxiety is rife. Anxiety is very close to depression. It can hit you at your worst, but I think we're all blessed, especially all of our panelists, because we got to a point where the anxiety became our learning curves and the learning curves became our lessons, which made us who we are today. So I'm grateful for all of the rebelliousness and all of the negatives that happened in my life because those were my pluses that made me who I am today. Anxiety can be beat, we cannot do it together. So if anybody needs help, I'm definitely there to help you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Ambassador. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. What a great lesson, and we appreciate you so much. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. God bless everyone. You know, I want to touch on something that she just said, which was anxiety versus depression. So here's something to think about. It's important to note that there is a difference between anxiety and depression. In the very basic sense, anxiety is an excessive feeling of worry where depression is excessive feelings of hopelessness and worthlessness. So it is possible for someone to have both anxiety and depression at the same time. But that differentiator is what you can do about it right next. So here we go to our next panelist, Tiffany Barnes. I am so excited that you're here. Um, you are a woman on the move. <laughs> you have done so many things. You're familiar with overcoming hardships. And I'm going to read this because I think it's really important that people know your story. After enduring physical, mental, and sexual abuse, Tiffany was emancipated at the age of 15. At that time, she was the only, only the second case in the state of Utah for a child of that age 
to become legally emancipated. While working three jobs to support herself through high school, Tiffany became a Sterling Scholar, graduating top of her class, an athlete and founder of SHARE, S-H-A-R-E, an advocacy group for students by students who had experienced abuse. What began as a small group of students supporting each other, SHARE has grown since and evolved into a 503C national foundation that stands for sharing hope for the abused through resilience and empowerment. As a torchbearer for the 2002 Olympics, Tiffany has always been determined to shine light in dark places, helping others to light their flame within. While most might have used their unfortunate past as a crutch, Tiffany has chosen instead to use it as a stepping stone toward a better future. Now as a realtor and a real estate investor, Tiffany prides herself in exceeding expectations from her clients. She loves coaching people on how to set up a successful Airbnbs to build long-term wealth. She is now following her passion of helping others to overcome through her work as a founder of SHARE, as well as a keynote speaker across the nation. Her first book, The Throwaway Girl, is an inspiring autobiography and is soon to be released. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for joining us tonight. Wow. When I hear all that, I'm like, I want to meet this person. Who is this? (laughs) You have to pardon my appearance today. Um, Yeah, I'm on the go and my Airbnbs keep me on my toes, but uh, I'm so honored to be here. Anxiety is something that I still have learned to deal with to this day Um, going into my 40s. As you mentioned, I've been on my own for a very long time, technically since 13 years old. I was homeless. Um, My mother had chosen my stepfather um, over myself um, once I had confronted him about some sexual abuse that was taking place. And so you can imagine if the person that brought you to life, my mother doesn't even want me, you know, I hit a very low point. And uh, overcoming a lot of trauma or just enduring a lot of trauma has... um, kind of made me, you know, and a lot of you trauma survivors will probably resonate with this. I've always had trust issues. I'm always like, okay, where's the next problem going to come from? You know, whether it's a person, um, specifically people was a big, big issue for me. Um, just wondering, you know, how is this person going to hurt me um, after going through all forms of abuse? And then kind of into my success as a a real estate investor, you know, falling into a, it's a male dominated business. Let's just be real. Real estate is a very male dominated business. And um, all of my perpetrators were men. So it started to come into my business life where I noticed some of my dealings in business. I just was like, okay, can I trust this person? He's a man, you know, um, you know, it was kind of a trigger in a sense, if you will. I worked with a lot of unfortunately narcissistic men my dog's going to go crazy. I think the mailman's here. Sorry. Um, and so I was always just kind of on guard, if you will. And it was about, um, six years ago, I, um, was hospitalized because of the anxiety that I was suffering from being a perfectionist. Um, you know, uh, our last speaker, I'm so sorry. My dog is barking. Our last speaker um, was just talking about being a people pleaser and that being a syndrome. It kind of goes hand in hand um, with anxiety. And I have suffered from that myself. And so 
um, being a people pleaser specifically in business has, um, like I say, kind of landed me into some very tricky positions where, um, you know, I'm a cyclist. I was about to go riding for the day. I do hundred mile bike rides and I was going to go train. And my best friend came over to see me and she's like, you don't look very well. What's going on? And I was like, oh, you know, my head's a little weird and I feel a little faintish, but I need to, you know, I need to get these, these miles in for this bike ride. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're not doing that. I'm taking you to the ER. You don't look so good. And I go and, you know, they do all of the testing and they put me through an MRI and all the whole nine yards. And, you know, I was having the heart palpitations thinking oh, I'm having a heart attack. There's something wrong with me. And they boiled it down to stress and anxiety to the point that they said, okay, you need to make yourself a priority. And it was kind of a, a moment in time that it was, it was like, I call it a Tiffany epiphany where I had this epiphany of, okay, it, it's time to make myself a priority and not be such a people pleaser and really kind of listen to um, my body. And there was a, a quote that my friend gave me at the time that said, stop worrying about what can go wrong and be excited about what can go right. And I think I've lived 30 plus years of my life, 38 years of my life, constantly worrying about what's gonna go wrong or you know, how am I gonna suffer or you know, who's gonna hurt me that I'm always on guard, right? You know, I would be sitting there, for an example, just even getting my nails done, you know, something that's supposed to be relaxing. And my body's like, oh no, we don't relax. No, no, no. And so I'm going to go into a full blown panic attack, getting my nails done because my body's like, no, we don't know what relaxation is. What we know is fight or flight at all times. And so I've really had to train myself to um, learn to relax. And, and a lot of that has been through meditation and uh, sitting with my thoughts and being okay with sitting with my thoughts. And, um, you know, it was to a point in my life that I was on you know, Xanax and um, antidepressants and things of that nature. And um, I had lost my boyfriend at the time to opioids. And um, I just kind of didn't want to be on anything that was prescribed. And so that's when I found more um, holistic approach. And I don't know if it's okay to say this on this panel, but I have a medical card for cannabis. And that's kind of been something that's really helped me um, CBD and cannabis in my anxiety. And, uh, also just recognizing when that anxiety is coming up. Um, you know, it's been to the point where I would be on the freeway. Sasha's saying hi over here. Um, <laughs> I would be on the freeway and I would have to be in the slow lane because I needed an out just in case I felt trapped to be able to go to that emergency lane. That's how bad my anxiety would be sometimes that I knew, okay, as a realtor, you're all over the place. You have to go show houses in all parts of the city. And um, I found myself making excuses to not be able to do showings. And again, I would take back roads instead of getting on the freeway because if there was a traffic jam and I got stuck where I couldn't pull off of an exit or you know, the exit was ahead and the only thing I had was a shoulder to kind of like pull off on, I would go into full-blown panic where I didn't even wanna drive my car. And so, you know, I talked with my doctor about this and I just was like, you know, this is debilitating. This anxiety is very debilitating and it's kind of come up out of nowhere. And um, that's when we started to explore um, the cannabis and, and also um, working with a, a specialized therapist with anxiety. And so now I'm very happy to say I haven't had those panic attacks in three years now, 
and I'm able to drive and I'm able to, you know, do what I need to in my job. But um, I would say the biggest advice I could give to somebody that's, that's dealing with anxiety is to, you know, live in the moment. I think sometimes as anxiety, you know, survivors are just people that suffer from anxiety. We tend to look so far ahead into the future that we stress ourselves out. And I know I'm very guilty of that. And so if we can just kind of live in the now, you know, I would always have a mantra that I would repeat to myself, you know, I'm happy, I am healthy, life is good, I am okay. And it's just four sentences, but those four sentences kind of put me back in the check. Okay, I'm happy, I'm healthy, life is good, I'm okay. And to kind of realize that this is just a moment in time. You know, um, this isn't going to define me. This is just my mind trying to play some tricks on me. You know, I'm, I'm not dying, even though it feels like you're going to die when you have a panic attack. You literally feel like, okay, I'm going to die. Um, you know, kind of just woo-sawing, if you will, and, and putting yourself in that present frame, if you will. And so that's been very key. And as I mentioned, um, meditation. And then I'm just open with people. I have just told people I have anxiety. And, and letting some of my very best friends know that and just people that are around me in general, um, you know, I'd walk into a room and I'm automatically looking for, okay, where's my exit? And that's not a way to live. But I felt that if I would go places and tell people I have anxiety, for some reason, it kind of lessened the chance of those panic attacks arising, if that makes any sense. So, um, you know, my biggest piece of advice is, is create a mantra for yourself that you can repeat when you find that happening, but also just remember to live in the moment and, and not to, not to say you don't want to look ahead in the future. That's, you know, part of being successful, right? You've got to have a plan, but don't um, stress yourself out too much, you know, because I would be a prepare for the worst, hope for the best person. And when you're preparing for the worst, your brain's automatically in that fight or flight situation. So. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Tiffany. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you so much for sharing. So you've heard a lot about the causes and the symptoms and think about this. There are medical reasons that you can have anxiety too. So if you do experience these, you may want to get checked. Thyroid disorders, hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism, heart disease, diabetes, side effects for medication, as several of the panelists have described, lack of oxygen or respiratory disorders, including COPD, emphysema, or asthma, illicit drug use or withdrawal from drugs or alcohol, or irritable bowel syndrome. So these are real. These symptoms can be real, and you need to get checked if you're experiencing these as, as soon as you can. So our next panelist tonight, Marcus Black, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, born in Memphis, Tennessee and raised in Mississippi, Marcus Black is a true product of the Southern hospitality culture of the Deep South. Best-selling author, speaker of the Vitalize podcast and a creative storyteller dedicated to spreading his message of love, hope, and positivity to the entire world. Marcus has never met a stranger and his greatest passion in life is loving and connecting with people beneath the surface level and helping them realize just how special they truly are as individuals. He's spoken to thousands all over the USA and even several countries around the world. And tonight, it's my privilege to introduce you to him, Marcus Black. Welcome to the panel. 
Well, hello, 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 everyone. It's good to see you guys. Thank you so much for having me, Gigi. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate you. And I'm just so excited to share with you guys briefly this evening. When I think about uh, this topic, I consider anxiety a monster. And I always tell my story. Like I was a kid when I had my first anxiety attack. And I'm always talking to people and I'm like, look, man, I was just in a routine, regular event. I was playing literally a video game. And as I was playing this video game, you know, my character died and whatever reason he died, I died with him. And in that moment, I literally felt as if I got sucked into a vacuum, like all my breath went away and I was fighting for air and I was grasping and all I could imagine was myself being buried alive, literally covered in dirt, a casket going over me. And literally I was thinking that my life was over. So I'm fighting, I'm gasping, I'm just hyperventilating. And I remember my mom coming in the room and shaking me. Can you imagine as a parent coming in to find a nine year old child and just, just freaking out, having a total panic attack. And I say that was the first time I ever had a visit from a monster. But when I say monster, I'm not talking about the kind that hide under beds or live in closets. I'm talking about a real life monster that literally haunts and affects almost more than any other sickness and disease in the world. We're talking about anxiety today. And I know when I describe those feelings, many of you can relate to exactly what I was expressing because you know what that feels like. I remember snapping out of it and asking my mom, like my first question, like, oh man, am I gonna die? And she kept it real with me. She said, you're gonna die one day. She said, but not for a very long time. She always kept it real. So here I am, this kid that's having frequent visits from this monster, always at night coming, crippling me. Then it started, it started always at night, but then it started to pour over into every other area of my life. It started to turn, Th things that should be positive, like church. I'm having these anxiety attacks. And what I realized is that so much of my life had already felt like death internally. I started to walk in this extreme fear and this extreme panic and this extreme worry. So much so I catered my entire life to it. So when you we mentioned earlier about what happens when anxiety starts to attack us and how it takes our life from us. Y'all catered my life to it. I was afraid of everything. I was like, and I don't even know if I was afraid of everything as much as I just wasn't going to allow myself to experience life. I'm not going outside. I'm not riding a bike. Nope. I'm good. I'm not getting in a pool. I'm not going to the lake. I'm not riding a roller coaster. I'm not getting on a plane. You might as well not even ask. And so you ask me, what did you do? Nothing. Eat, sleep, go to school the safest life possible. So what I would tell you is I wasn't living. And I remember when things changed for me because I lived my life that way for a very long time before eventually I was literally 18 years old and I had a near death experience where a few of my closest friends and I flew off the highway in a car, 75 miles per hour, nearing a bridge. We flew off the car spinning, trees and glass are smacking me in the face before we smash into a huge tree. When we did that, the car literally crushed, it accordioned in, and we were trapped in the car like sardines. And when this happened, I remember my eyes being closed and I was afraid to open them because I was afraid of what I see. And the only thought 
replaying in my mind is that I am about to die without having ever lived because I allowed this monster to come in and steal my life away from me. And I'll, spoiler alert, if you guys see my big smiling face right now, I didn't die. And so I had to go on a journey to figure out why I was here. But I realized in that moment that life is fragile. It's not promised to us. The next moment isn't promised to us. The next day isn't promised to us. And when anxiety does at its core, it's caused us to worry and fear so deeply about all these different things that we have no control over. And when we do that, we begin to give our life away and trap ourselves, our own selves in the cage of fear. And I remember thinking that, man, I could be out of here. Any moment could be my last. Tomorrow isn't promised. So I owe it to everybody else around me. And I owe it most importantly to myself to live. I can't die without having ever lived. And so once that realization happened, it changed the way I moved. But it wasn't just like overnight, like all of a sudden, like, okay, now I'm living and I'm doing all these things. It was a process, but I'll give you three practical things that I did that you can take with you on your journey. And I feel like it will help you because like we've established already, you can and you will defeat the monster. The monster doesn't get the win in this story. You get the win because you're a warrior. So the first practical thing I started to do to get over these anxiety attacks, because they still come, but they don't last. They used to last like a long time and freak me out. It'll creep in and I'll feel it. And really quick, I can pull myself out of it. The first way is by grounding. So grounding, literally, you utilize the five senses to snap yourself out of your mind to bring you back into reality. So I literally start thinking to myself, what is something I can see? What color? I start naming colors, actual things that I see. And then I got to touch something. So you can use your feet. Some people like to go outside and rub the ground. I've rubbed car carpet, something texture. And I start rubbing the wall so that I can feel. And I'm asking myself, what do I feel? What do I smell? What do I taste? And you, what do I hear? The fan. I hear, I hear the air conditioning. I hear. And you do these things. And they literally start to force, like override. It's like force quit on the computer. They override your system to snap you back into reality. That's something you can do in the moment that will cut it off at its head before it ever gets to take root and pull you down this path. The second thing is control the controllables. Only thing you can control in this life is you. And when you realize that, then we can stop worrying about that which we cannot control. I heard a wise monk say, he told a story, it was a quote. And it literally said, all his quote, he said, why worry? He said, do you have a problem? The answer is yes, okay. Can you do something about that problem? Well, yes, I can. Then why worry? If you can do something about the problem, then you have a solution. There's no reason to worry. He asked the same question. Do you have a problem? Yes. Can you do something about it? No. He said, then why worry? <laughs> because if there's not a single thing you can do to change that circumstance, then what are you worried for? There's nothing you can do about it. All you can control is you and how you move and how you respond to the situation. And as long as you control that and don't worry about what you cannot control, that is a recipe for finding that inner peace in your soul. And the third thing is gratitude. Gratitude is the attitude that will propel you to the highest heights. So what I want you to do is start focusing on what you do have rather than where we're deficient and where we're not enough. Focus on what you do have, not what you don't. Because what I'm here to tell you is all you have is all you need. 
to really step into the greatness that is you, to be the overcomer you were created to be, to defeat this monster once and for all, and go live your absolute best life. So I wanna encourage you to do that because you can. I'm Marcus and I'm done speaking. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus, you need to start a church. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to meet you in person someday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Get rid of those monsters, man. That is a great message. Everything that we believe, right? The fears that we have, the ideas that we have, we do have problems, but we just need to take care of that and we can do it. Um, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. What a great reminder. I wanted to talk a little bit about post-traumatic stress disorder. Our next panelist has been on many panels because stress and anxiety is brought on by so many things that happen in our life. Post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, for those of you who have not heard this, happens when a person has difficulty recovering after a traumatic event. Symptoms may happen months or longer after the event, and there are a wide variety of symptoms of PTSD, which include unwanted or recurrent distressing memories or flashbacks of the event, nightmares about the event, avoidance of things related to the event, people, places, or situations, and again, we've talked about hopelessness for the future. So panelists, Andrea Rojas, domestic violence, sexual assault, and suicide attempt survivor and advocate. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, uh, Gigi, everyone here, Lakeisha, for setting this up. Um, yeah, anxiety is a big topic. I've as you know, um, I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse from seven to 10 and anxiety, as soon as it started, um, I was in total fear every day. So I know in my heart, that's where it started. Um, you know, I, in fear of, am I gonna be touched today? Am I gonna be, you know, what's gonna happen next? Um, you know, I was there almost every day because my aunt babysitted me and he was there always. Um, so I was always on guard. So I know a lot of people uh, can relate to that. Um, so I really didn't grew up not trusting anyone, um, kind of, you know, trying to figure out, are they going to hurt me? What is their intention? Um, and a lot of PTSD, as you said, and a lot of avoidance of conflict and not, um, you know, issues that are unpleasant to me. Um, but growing through all that, and also the fight or flight uh, response that um, I think Tiffany touched on earlier as well. Um, growing up, going through therapy um, to alleviate my anxiety, I did a lot of therapy, talk therapy, uh, journaling as well, because with anxiety too, we have all these thoughts that are just scattered in our brain. And a lot of it is, you know, um, it's not true, it's not uh, real, it's just temporary. Uh, we always don't, um, shouldn't, at least for me, our feelings are, you know, based on fear and, you know, some of the stuff is not true. So I think writing it down clear in black and white, you can see like, wow, I really thought this and you can kind of retrain, I've retrained my, my brain and doing affirmations, doing, putting stuff on my mirror in the bathroom and say, no, this is gonna be, you know, 
a good day. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in anxiety every day. I'm not seven years old anymore. I'm 46 years old right now. So um, that has helped me. Uh, meditation has helped a lot. And doing yoga, I've been starting to do yoga this year, last year. So that's kind of, you know, put me in a calm state um, and not kind of rewriting my story. I don't have to have that story of, you know, being like crutched and, you know, in fear every day. No, I'm a strong woman. I'm powerful. I'm taking my power back and I'm saying no to anxiety, anxiety, no more. So this April is child abuse awareness month, child sexual abuse and rape and assault. And, you know, we have to take our power back and say no. Um, and also a lot of the, um, Facebook groups here uh, help me too, discussing it, talking about it, sharing, being vulnerable and being really raw has helped alleviate my anxiety as well. Um, another thing too is sitting with the feelings. I mean, a lot of the times we run away from the feelings of anxiety because it's so unpleasant. We think it's, oh, it's gonna be forever. Um, and I've run into addictions. Like I said, in the past, I've gone to food addiction, shopping addiction, I've gone to sex addictions in my twenties and just to alleviate that unpleasantness and feel good for a moment, but that doesn't work. Um, so I've kind of stopped that. I still struggle with food, food addiction, you know, to alleviate anxiety, but I'm working on that. And um, I think also I've been, uh, a lot of people have done this too, drawing, painting and listening to music all those creative outlets kind of takes out the anxiety and puts it in a beautiful creative way. So um, I just wanna say that, um, you know, anxiety is, it's very common. We've all gone through the PTSD and a lot of abuse and um, violence. Um, but I feel like, you know, you have every day to begin again and to help, there's so many ways that you can help your anxiety and you shouldn't be ashamed. You should be open and, you know, um, take back uh, the anxiety and to uh, not live in fear, but live in faith. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. You're a warrior. You have really overcome so many things and we celebrate you tonight. So when we talk about anxiety in present day, and we think about COVID-19, the pandemic enters the second year and its new fast spreading variants have caused a surge of infections in many countries and renewed lockdowns. The devastation of the pandemic, millions of deaths, economic strife, and unprecedented curbs on social interaction has already marked effect on people's mental health. Researchers worldwide are investigating the causes and impacts of this stress and some fear that the deterioration in mental health could linger long after the pandemic has subsided. Our next panelist tonight is Kim C. Shaw. M-A-M-L is the founder of CEO of Inspiring You, Leadership Enrichment Solutions. Kim has earned a master's degree in management and leadership and learned about leadership development during the past 27 years, helping businesses large and small. Kim analyzes a business's training needs and designs a special plan that works for their employees. As a people champion, 
She has graciously served in diverse organizational cultures and led training and performance teams to deliver the best in corporate leadership learning to diverse workforces and cultures throughout the U.S. and abroad. A distinguished certified coach, trainer, and teacher, and keynote speaker with the world-renowned John Maxwell team, Kim also holds certifications in the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator System, OC, Tanner Recognition, Human Performance Improvement, Achieve Global Leadership, DISC, and others. Dedicated to the development of emerging and accomplished leaders, Kim also serves as a member of the National Society of Leadership and Success, Sigma Alpha Phi. Welcome so much to the panel tonight. All I can say is, wow. <laughs> wow. What a tremendous amount of information and encouragement that came through all of the previous panelists. I have to say, this is my first time being on the panel. And Gigi, I thank you for um, inviting me. Uh, I didn't even know where to start to talk, start talking about anxiety. Like I said, we've all shared it at one point or another. I'm just gonna go way back and then I wanna come right forward to now. So at 30 years old, I lost my husband. I was left to raise three children on my own of whom are all grown and thank God they're all doing great. But I wanna fast forward to now because I've been having a lot of conversations with a lot of colleagues and a lot of friends and where we're talking about um, entrepreneurship. And I believe there are so many of us that are either on the line now or some of our people that are viewing us that are entrepreneurs. It's so odd that people don't think that we have anxiety. Entrepreneurs are not strangers to anxiety or to depression for that matter. We're just as susceptible as the rest of the population, if not more so, to mental illnesses like bipolar disorder, sociopathy, schizophrenia. There's so many things out there that can go wrong with us too. And I just wanted to make sure that people understood that. I feel privileged and thankful um, to be able to share on this panel about my challenges with anxiety, especially since I've crossed back over into this world of entrepreneurship. I came from it, family owned businesses, then when I lost my husband, I had to go back into corporate America. But I, my son who is disabled said, mom, you really never had a chance to, to have anxiety or have any issues. I'm like, little do y'all know, all this was going on and y'all just didn't even know it. Um, May, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you know that May is National Mental Health Awareness Month in the US. So I did, you know, I do some statistics and being in learning and development, that's always something that you're doing in researching. There was a study done in uh, Canada, 1997, where self-employed people versus traditionally employed people found that we self-employed folks had significantly higher levels of job stress and mental health issues. Now, more recently, a study was done in like 2015. Uh, his name was Dr. Michael Freeman. At UC uh, San Francisco found that 49% of entrepreneurs who participated in that study experienced mental illness. Now, in my mind, I don't know about you guys, but that is huge. So you got 50% of people who have their own businesses. I'm like, you're thinking about if they're nuts, they got issues? Well, yeah. 
there are tremendous things that can go on. Anxiety, depression, a whole bunch of disorders are very much on the rise. And we, of course, know that now because of COVID-19 and the pandemic and the things that were going on. I know I suffer generalized anxiety. I'm sure I have a bunch of other things. My son says that I'm bipolar and I got everything else on the spectrum going on. But I think it's pretty common. And as social, um, our social and specific phobias and panic attacks and different things like that, just as the other panelists were sharing, if we ignore those things, they will escalate into more serious conditions. More importantly, they can become resistant to some of those first line strategies that we use for self-care, like our self-talk. And as the gentleman who is the pastor, whoop, whoop, you gotta be, um, the grounding techniques. I use a bunch. I mean, mine are laughter. I got to have something to laugh at. I have to have my prayer, of course, and exercise is my crutch. But dealing effectively with anxiety as an entrepreneur definitely requires for me to get much more of an understanding of mental health in general. In general. I really, really needed to know how this thing is going to impact me, how it's going to impact my business, how it would impact those around me. So. I have some specific strategies that I use and that I share with my clients and anybody who comes into my circle about how I address my anxiety and I would like to share. So the first one is checking out our mental attitudes about mental health, period, right, period. It's terrible that right now there's still a huge stigma on it. There we've had, made, of course, we've made notable strides They've made over the recent years towards breaking that stigma and that surrounding, you know, uh, 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 thought process that mental illness, you know, uh, uh, people who have mental illnesses, they believe that there's a sign of weakness um, and there's something's wrong with you if you have a mental illness. And of course, we on this panel, we all disagree, which is one of the reasons why we're here to share this in the first place. That stigma so, so much damage can be done. I don't know about anybody who was of color in the African-American community. You're like, oh, my child, like when I used to share about my child having some um, challenges, oh, he just needs his butt work, you know, stuff like that. But those things can prevent us from seeking out the help that we need, getting that medical help, getting that care, those things that we really need. That reluctance, is gonna simply keep perpetuating the stigma and make it harder for other people to talk out or speak out when they need help. I kept the fact that my child had bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and general anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder. I kept that a secret for so long. It forces us, um, what we're having right now, which is what I really appreciate is the fact that the stigma um, is going to continue to be eroded if we keep talking about it, having these candid and frank conversations, especially with the panel that we're doing now, social media, the groups, the forums. It is amazing and it is awesome. I see a more balanced coverage of the issue that I've ever seen before, like through traditional um, mediums like TV, TV commercials. I don't know if you guys ever seen the commercials with uh, Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer. He's the one that always comes to my mind, right? And really talking it openly. And I feel so, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know the feeling of honor. It's like, okay, you know, the, 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 uh, 
the uh, adage, uh, uh, misery loves company, just knowing that someone else is possibly going through the same thing you're going through, you kind of feel a little better about it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's like, finally, people are coming around to see that it's not something that just happens to the crazy people or something that just happens to them, but we all experience it. Mental health is just as critical um, as, a phys as physical health for us, for entrepreneurs, for people, anyone. If you're not in a state of good health, and this is what I'm sharing for my entrepreneurial friends out there, mentally or emotionally, it is vital to seek that care. We wouldn't ignore our arm or our leg being broken or, or lingering infection that just won't go away. Yeah, I had this forever and I just ain't going nowhere. You're gonna go to the doctor. So if you're not feeling right up here, it's the same reason for us to be proactive when it comes to our mental health, right? The second one that I did is understanding, understanding, helping us understand why we're more susceptible as entrepreneurs to anxiety. I know I was sharing with a colleague of mine. She was like, well, it's the same as with everyone else. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but since I've only been back in my entrepreneurial path for like three years now, it was definitely different than when I was, um, when I was in corporate for 25 years. The very character traits that help me or help us fuel our success as entrepreneurs are kind of the ones that make us vulnerable to mental health issues like anxiety and, and depression and so many else. Because I think we tend to surround ourselves by the very environmental factors that make it harder for us to practice the good self-care that we need and those good mental health habits. We stay up all night and all day. We're sleep deprived. Our nutrition sucks. My son is getting on a plane right now coming from Houston here to Orlando. He's 33 years old. Mom, what'd you cook? I'm like nothing. I was working all day, you know? Too much caffeine, too little sleep. All these things that make us successful are the things that can get us here and not, and, and not be good. Couple that with the, that frenzied lifestyle with those possible cash constraints because you're working for yourself. And it's kind of hard to, you know, for you to see mental health care or seek mental health care. So it's easy to see why we as entrepreneurs will kind of face a higher risk in the area. This is one of the reasons why I personally guard my exercise time as if my life depends on it because it does. I have my routine, I work out daily. Um, it's so funny because people who know me, you know, they look at my, 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 my um, Facebook or they look at my, my um, Instagram, and they're like, oh my gosh, girl, you always working out. That's my mental right there. Health insurance is off the charts when you were in corporate. So forget about being on your own and how much health benefits cost. I would prefer to keep myself away and keep myself healthy. The other one, uh, recognizing the risks when you are the boss. Have a client right now going through that. She can't keep any employees and she don't know why. So I said mental health, of course, of all her employees, all of our employees is important to the productivity and the success of an organization. They have to be in their right mind. They have to feel good. They have to feel engaged. But it's deniably, undeniably true when that person struggling is the boss or the owner it's even more crucial to address those issues promptly 
with something targeted, something that's gonna get to the crux of it, get down to finding out what it is. Um, and, and the example that I'm giving, and I'm not mentioning any names, um, that narcissistic perfectionist um, definitely can be dangerous to a business, especially if that person's the owner of the business, the CEO, the president, I'm not I'm just saying. So people with that kind of diagnosis are often considered socially toxic and with an overblown sense of entitlement, which is they work for me, this is my business, we're gonna do it the way I wanna do it, my way or the highway, they are extremely high expectations and it really makes them impossible. It's impossible to please that kind of person. So I said, you know, if this describes anything, we can be created anything like someone we know or we as being entrepreneurs, we're creating that toxic environment sometimes without even being aware of it. Eventually, she's lost talent back to back to back to back. And I said, if you don't get this checked, because it is a challenge, it is something that has to do with mental illness, you having to have that control, you're going to lose the business altogether. She gets panicked. Oh my God, if it doesn't go this way, I'm going to lose it. That portion of part of anxiety. You got to feel like you're holding on to everything. You're not allowing your people to share and, 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 and work with you to be successful. The fourth one that I have is acknowledging first and foremost, how widespread um, anxiety and depression is now even more so. People are not seeing it, but they're starting to see it. And it's like, people are saying things like, well, COVID, you know, it's since COVID, it's been way since before COVID. Two of the most common, and I think you gave this statistic, the common mental health conditions faced by entrepreneurs as well, um, especially because that's where I studied anxiety and depression. They may seem mild sometimes. People say, well, that's not that bad. But to, of course, to compare to schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, they're still debilitating. Cost the country over $210 billion a year alone. Now, we've all discussed anxiety what it is, you know, characterized by feelings of excessive worry. You got the agitation, the restlessness, fatigue, difficulty concentrating, irritability. You, who, who can really be productive like that? Those things, which happened to me, they impacted my cognitive abilities, my focus, my memory, and most importantly, as someone in business, decision-making. I gotta be able to make a decision, a clear, decisive decision. It's gonna, it's gonna impact the rest of my life and my business if I make the wrong decision. But if I'm frozen with anxiety and, and fear, it's gonna be a problem. So couple that with depression. Some might experience a change in um, appetite. I had that, I gained weight, I lost weight. I, I was all over the place. I had those physical symptoms like the sleep challenges. I mean, my husband's like, and it's 4 a.m. I'm still awake. And I know that I have meetings the next day and I'm like, wake up because I'm having an issue sleeping. Cramps, all of a sudden, muscles, cramps and everything, major issues. However, the final and fifth one, I knew about everything and I had to I go through each of these and this is the recognition putting it here, is knowing what options that I have, seeking out options. Regardless of my symptoms, my specific concerns, there are options out there and that helps me say like this, this panel and helping talk about it helps I think us as those who are sufferers. So we wanna help other people because you know, the more you, 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 you experience success, 
you want to help other people. We, 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 a lot of people explore the traditional medication, excuse me, they do counseling, they do therapy, but a lot of times, like my friend, um, she shied away from those because it goes back to that stigma that we talked about. I'm so super glad to see about all the options. I hope she's watching because she said she would. Um, that have surfaced over a few years, for instance, the online counseling platforms like Talkspace and BetterHelp and Breakthrough, and there's so many out there, um, exploded. We all have, so it's funny, my oldest son, he's gonna be 40 and he was having some challenges. And I'm like, dude, this sounds like you need counseling. He goes, you're my counselor. <laughs> I'm like, do I wanna hear all this? You need counseling, dude. He's like, no, mom, for real, you're my counselor because you helped me. My recommendation is what I did for him and everyone else is in my circle, research, research. Don't be afraid to look up things that are gonna help you. Things that are gonna help you, nutrition, exercise. I think a lot, um, we all talked about forms of self-care. They play major roles in help maintain and regaining our mental health. Of course, seeking our own paths to me is important. And our own regiments is key because the bottom line, doing what works best for you is the only thing that's gonna work for you, not doing what everyone else is doing. And lastly, a mental health diagnosis by no way, shape or form means our careers or our careers as entrepreneurs is over. I had one young lady saying, I'm never, I can't because I, I, you know, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. No, she said she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So she felt like everything was going out the window. The important thing is to recognize the symptoms promptly, get the right kind of help to restore our balance and our peace to our lives. You guys, I'm just having such a great time. I really appreciate you having me on this panel and um, I hope to be back with you guys. Thank you so much for letting me um, ramble because I'm nervous, but um, thank you. <laughs> thank you so thank much. You. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. As you were talking, I was looking up the um, Mental Health America, so mhanational.org. There are all these assessments, so screens and decision-making tools that you can go to right now. Uh, mental health screening tools include stress test, interactive where to get help tool, the worksheets for uh, keeping your mind grounded, physical symptoms and feelings tracker, your mind and body, taking your doc talking to your doctor about mental health, um, talking about diet and change, sleep, uh, stress, all these things that we've been talking about. But that's mhanational.org. We can put that here in the chat for anyone that wants to uh, look that up. So it'd be a great way to assess uh, where you are right now. Erica Castro, it's so great to see you. You are back and um, better than ever. So you have taught high school for Eng English for 24 years. You're an advocate for both domestic violence and sexual assault, overcome anxiety, depression, and now is using your message to help others. You're a life coach that helps in uh, empower individuals to release the past and move forward. You are contributing a chapter in the Alive to Thrive book that's being published July 31st. And this month you're competing in the self-acceptance speaker slam competition as an inspirational speaker you can find erica at ericalifecoaching.com welcome erica hello can you hear me yes okay hi i'm erica castro i'm so well so 
blessed to be here with Melanie and Lakeisha and, and Gigi. You guys are all amazing. Um, I want to share a little bit about my anxiety. My anxiety started when I was in my th mid-30s. My husband was having an affair and we were trying to work on the marriage. And so my anxiety would be like, oh, he's late. And all of a sudden I would get this pressure on my chest. My hands would start sweating. I would be short of breath. It was very difficult for me to um, to like accept. It was a fear, right? And so I didn't know how bad my anxiety was until um, I thought I was having a heart attack. You know, I had all this pressure. I was shortness of breath. I go to the hospital. They take me to the back and they're like, oh, it's just an anxiety attack. And the craziest and the sickest part of that anxiety attack was in my head while I'm in the hospital, I'm thinking, he's going to leave me and be with her. And so it was, it was the beginning that it was affecting my driving. Um, I would be driving and then I would lose my sense of direction. Um, I wouldn't, I couldn't find my way home. That happened to me three different times where I couldn't, I couldn't, get home i had like would drive the opposite direction even though i had been there several times i couldn't make it home it, it was very difficult for me anxiety was very scary for me because i mean i've dealt with depression that i knew but anxiety was a foreign and my body was reacting and so it was very difficult for me to handle and i really i still suffer from anxiety today but now i have tools and these are the tools i would like to share with everybody especially when i'm driving because i think when anxiety hits when you're driving it's really scary because you can get in a car accident or you could be careless or something so for me when i'm having anxiety i you could kind of feel it when before anxiety hits like you could feel it coming what i do is what marcus had said i start naming the things around me like for right now there's a black lamp there's a cranberry juice there's a black tv there's a banana i start naming the things or the colors and then i start then self-talking to myself or if you want you could picture an angel telling you you're okay you're not physically hurt you're alive you can get through this so I either tell that to myself or I picture like an angel or somebody there guiding me to, it's okay, you're okay, you can breathe, you can stay calm. Another thing I do believe is I reach out to my angels or my guides because I know that I'm not alone. My mother died when I was five years old and I remember this memory of when my mom held me. And so I say, I I say, mother, wrap me with your love. And that kind of brings me down. Um, another thing, I, you know, I follow a lot of people, so I listened to a, a talk that Dave Hollis gave. And Dave Hollis just recently went through a divorce. And he said, you have to make anxiety your friend. Okay? He says, write a letter to your fear. And once you write all those fears that you have, determine whether, which fears are real and which are not. So, for example, when you say, I fear being alone, but you have this big family, like, are you really going to be alone, <laughs> right? So, you have to determine these are real and these are not. Um, another thing is um, anxiety is caused by the imagined, imagined realities of what could happen.
So a lot of times our imagination is amazing because it, it, you know, it's that creativeness that it brings. However, our imagination could be dangerous. So we have to put it in check, right? Is, could this really, really, really happen? 90% of the stuff we worry about never happens. And here we are stressed out over something that might not even happen. So we have to then bring ourselves down to reality because it's imagined. Um, and then he says, anxiety um, is necessary because it allows you to discover where in your life do you need clarity. It's a message that says there's a part of your life that needs healing or needs attention or needs something. Let's, let's kind of write it out, figure out what part of your life needs clarity. Um, and then this is, this is hard for me because he says you have to thank your anxiety for the message. Thank your anxiety because it's trying to tell you something that you need to work on. And it says, be an observer of your anxiety and be grateful for the message. So I think for me, that's what has allowed me to put my anxiety in check because I still have it. I don't, for me, I, I, I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I have tools that help me come back down, especially when I'm driving, just because the driving was the one that was kind of scary for me. But now I know exactly to name out the objects or the color of the cars or whatever's around me and I come back down. So I hope this helps. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you all for, for listening. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. You're such a glimmer of hope for so many things that we are experiencing in our own lives. Um, and Erica lost someone close to her just a few weeks ago. So our condolences are to you, Erica. You know, all of us have felt anxiety. So if you have listened to this panel tonight, you have realized that, oh my gosh, that's what that was. And our next panelist is going to teach us some things about public speaking, because that's when she started overcoming her fear, is when she learned how to deal with this. So Dr. Doreen Downing is next here. Her Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Dr. Doreen Downing is a psychologist and founder of the Essential Speaking Institute. You see, she once suffered from stage fright. In conquering her fear, she discovered that being connected to your authentic self is the key to relaxed and confident speaking. She now specializes in treatment of public speaking anxiety. In addition to our authentic communication workshops, private coaching, and online courses, she is also an author. Her book, Essential Speaking, The Seven-Step Guide, Finding Your Real Voice, teaches you how to transform your anxiety with presence and connection. You can download The Seven Secrets to Fearless Speaking at Doreen, D-O-R-E-E-N, seven, the number seven, steps.com. Welcome, Doreen. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, yes, thank you, both Gigi and you, Melanie. I know that this has been such a wonderful opportunity. I've been listening to everyone, and I'm even getting some new ideas, and also such an appreciation for each person. So yeah, my story is about public speaking anxiety. And I would say I wasn't aware of it until later in life, because, you know, I just thought I was an introvert and kind of a quiet, shy person. 
but it came up first when I had been diagnosed as a, as a diabetic. And because I had all the symptoms and it never occurred to me that I had diabetes, I just thought that blurry vision meant that uh, there was a lot of pollution in the air or being thirsty. Isn't that something that we're supposed to be drinking more water? So I was thinking, oh, but I went to the doctor just for an annual exam. And he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, I'm going to England. That's I've got a trip scheduled. That's why I'm here to make sure everything's okay. And he said, no, you're not. And I said, why? He says, you have diabetes and you need to make some changes right away. And with that shock, I realized that had I known those, those, um, I mean, really, I had been flirting with death, probably without even knowing it. And so I, I got this, well, I want to go be part of a speaker's bureau. Let me go to the, what is it, the, um, American Diabetes Association and learn to go out into the world and give speeches. <laughs> and it was six weeks of training. And the last week was about giving our presentation and I didn't show up. I was just too terrified. And that's when I realized I had debilitating public speaking anxiety and I could hide it. And I did, I hit it really well. I mean, I got a PhD subsequent to that, a PhD in psychology. And I, I started a business, I was doing research. And one day somebody, a meeting planner asked me to share my research. And I said, no, I have public speaking anxiety. And she was pretty, pretty surprised and said, but you're a doctor? <laughs> Isn't fear your business? And that was a moment where I said, okay, I can't hide it anymore. Yes, I need to go out and handle this finally. You know, I was, in, I think I was in my 40s by then. And so I took Toastmasters and I did as much of the public speaking trainings I could. But I tell you, folks, it did not get to the core of where my anxiety was. And so I realized, even though I got awards, doctor, you know, got awards out there with Toastmasters, I realized that I needed to go deeper. And what does deeper mean? Ooh, it means going back and combing through my early life to try and find out what happened to me that I lost my voice. Did I really early on? And yes, I found well, I found several, but one I'll share right now is my mother suffered from depression and went into the hospital when I was four or five years old. My sister and I stayed with my grandmother. And when my mom came home to my grandmother's, my grandma would say to my sister and me, Shh, be careful, be quiet. Your mom's going to go back into the hospital. And and of course, you know, little four or five year old girls getting, no, I got to be quiet. I got to hold myself in and I can't be this, you know, exuberant, uh, vivacious little kid that I was. So in finally pinning down an early childhood experience, I came to realize that that was the tender part of me. So I have two techniques that I use in my treatment of anxiety around public speaking. Uh, I help people first define it 
let's say like somebody who says they're an imposter. And so I have a clue somewhere in their life, something happened to them that made them feel like an imposter. And sure enough, somebody I've worked with said uh, at 12 years old, his father died and his uncle came to him and said, you're now the man of the family. So he goes, ah, that, that's the root cause of my feeling like an imposter. So my root cause was uh, lodged way back when. So how do, we, how do we communicate? Well, there's two techniques. One is called inner child work. So the little one, my little one who wanted to run and jump up and down and play with her sister, maybe even pull hair and fight and do all the kinds of things maybe siblings do. Uh, she needed my attention. So I had to talk to her and we call it dialogue with parts. So I gave her a name, little, little one. I just called her little one. And then me. So me says, hello, little one. And the little one said, yeah, you left me behind. You went and got a PhD. Thanks very much. But <laughs> hello, you know, I have a voice too. Come on. And so that dialogue back and forth, it, it's not just, hey, you could do it, little one, because that doesn't work. You have to like really listen and give comp deep compassion. So I would say that my anxiety journey ended up going very, very deep inside of myself to where I reconnected, not only with that little precious one, but with what I call my essential self, the essence of who I am. And that's why I call my work essential speaking. And so my work is about um, shifting the mindset about public speaking anxiety. It's not about making a better speech. It's not about getting better at making a presentation. It's about finding the voice inside that was shut up, that was held back, in some way didn't get to grow. And that's what my, um, my message is to people today. And I have one last thing I want to say about what I heard and what I'd like to offer in it. And it goes with what Maria just uh, said. Uh, Michelangelo talked about the angel in the marble and he chiseled until he set it free. And I think my journey was like that, that my, my voice, my angel is inside of me. She's the one who's here today saying, hello world, I have something to share. And uh, so the angel is also not on your shoulder, also on your shoulder, all around you, but she's, she or he is also inside of you. He, she, they are inside of you. Thank you, Dr. Doreen. Yes. Thank you so much. It's so great to see you here on this panel. We knew you would add value and you sure did. Um, mm. Let's make sure to get those seven steps because they will really transform your life so that you can be confident and what you need to speak about. You know, I pulled up the um, mhanational.org and the physical symptoms and feelings tracker here. Um, it will help you track your physical symptoms of your, of your health condition and then the emotions that you felt and why you felt that way. It's a, a great chart so that you can start understanding what really is the root cause as we've been talking about here what is causing this stress that you have. 
Our next speaker tonight, Kaya Wolf, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Kaya is an author of the upcoming novel, Serenity, The Blood Moon Prince. She's a warrior and advocate of mental health. With seeing the rise in mental illness, she's taken a stand with her writing and voice to help people know that there's hope while in the darkness. It is her mission to help erase the stigma around mental illness and strengthen those who battle it every day to let everyone know they can stand tall, stand strong, and live. Welcome, Kaya. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here and listening to everybody before me has been so amazing. And to realize that I'm not alone, that I'm not, not, I'm not crazy, <laughs> but I've had anxiety all my life. And I realized a couple of years ago that it did stem from my childhood. And it's because of my family history of mental illness. And what I've learned in the past few years are tools. And I also realized that I'm actually grateful for my anxiety. And here's why. I'm a special needs mom to an autistic son. When he had his first panic attack at the end of a movie in the dark theater, I first stood there and wondered what was wrong with him. Then it clicked in my brain. He was having a panic attack. I acted quickly, leaving the cleanup to our of our things to my husband and my mother-in-law. I scooped him up and raced out of that theater, weaving around people. We sat in the hall, him tight in my arms. As we waited, he calmed down. For several years after that, his anxiety would trigger at the end of the movies when the credits rolled, even at home. Without my experience with my own anxiety and having that knowledge, I wouldn't have been able to help him in that moment. Because of my experiences, I've been able to help that same child manage his own anxiety in a safe and healthy way. Not only have we gotten him professional help, but he has a worry stone. This is one of his coping mechanisms. He visualizes putting his worries into this little stone and it, and it takes care of it for him. This has been helpful for him as he tends to fixate on irrational things and that triggers him. Until he is able to separate the facts of reality and the truth from the fiction, he has to deal with those scary feelings. And I know, it is terrifying. My first panic attack happened when I was 18. I didn't know what was happening. My parents drove two and a half hours to pick me up and take me home. I didn't want to ever experience that again. And I have. I still battle my anxiety, but here's some tools that I figured out along the way. One thing that I do is in the spur of the moment, something that I can do really quickly is very similar to grounding, but instead of focusing on things around me, I center myself and my mind. I focus on my breathing like you would in meditation, taking long, deep breaths. I clear my mind and I separate the fact from the fiction, what's real, what's true, versus what's fiction, or what is my brain thinking is the problem, or the fear, or the danger that's not reality. Another thing that I find I can do 
and I do this often when I'm in the car and my anxiety starts to trigger, or I'm at home, is I listen to music. I have playlists for certain things. Sometimes it's the lyrics. Sometimes it's the rhythm. I have found, for me, that very rhythmic music, like ancient music, like Native American music, or ancient Norse or Scandinavian music, where there's a heavy skin covered drum beat. I find that that drum beat beats my anxiety away. The last thing that I have found that I want to share with you today is diving into my spirituality. Whatever your path may be, diving into it can help you further find peace and to give you a way to grow. I really dived into my spirituality over the past year. And since that, I have found more peace happily and it helps me feel stronger against my mental illnesses. Like so many before me have said, it is very important that you seek medical help, professional help, if this is overtaking your life. I have felt at times where that I was not functional. If you fear living because you might face triggers or your anxiety is so present that that is all you see, please seek help. It's not, it doesn't make you weak, it makes you strong. Second, find coping mechanisms as they will help you come out of the anxiety quicker and can help you cope with each time. Find ways to prepare yourself for situations that might trigger you like driving or being alone in your own home. Third, find the strength to face your anxiety. You can do this through your, your spirituality and through your beliefs and just grow beyond that. Anxiety may be a part of our lives, but it doesn't have to rule it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kaya. Thank you, Kaya, for those uplifting words. Right, we have to take control. We we can do this. Find someone to help. And with all these other, uh, this mhanational.org, one of the questions on uh, one of these help trackers is, who or what can help you to stay accountable? So this can be someone who's working with changes or just reminding you to stay on track. So there's lots of technology out there. If it's an app to remind you to do certain things or get a person in your life that has your back, do that today. Our next panelist, Anne Greco. Anne, we're so excited that you're back and joining us tonight. You help busy professionals who want freedom from stress that leads to chronic anxiety and burnout. Your background is in mental health counseling and now you coach people, giving them the practical strategies on how to manage their concerns so they can thrive at work and lead a life that they love. You've been working with people along the whole spectrum of mental health concerns, from nervousness and stress to diagnosed mental illnesses for over 18 years. You've helped thousands of patients and clients find a way to stand in their power no matter what. At the core of your passionate stand for all people to live powerfully you want to reduce the staggering statistics associated with workplace burnout. 
and chronic mental health conditions. Thank you so much for being here and adding value to this panel tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. One of the things that I was reminded of as I was listening to people speak was something that I said a couple of decades ago when I first started to do treatment. And the statement was, it's my feeling that the healthiest people are the ones who come in and seek help. Everybody else is out on the loose. And because I believe that mental health issues, any of them, and particularly anxiety, are so much a part of the human condition, it's part of who we are, and it's important that we work on these issues and learn about them to understand them. So for today, what I've prepared for everybody is a little bit of content, and part of it is to mention the cycle of anxiety. And one of the things to notice about the cycle of anxiety is that it begins with something that triggers the emotions of fear, worry, guilt, frustration. And when that happens, our first inclination is to stop, avoid it, stop it, avoid it, get away from it. And then of course, in that ability to take that away initially, what happens is it does seem to go away. But the problem is that it's still there and it is going to come up again. And when it's experienced again, it persists. You may have heard the expression, that which we resist persists. It persists and it's bound to worsen. And so what we're looking to do when we're managing anxiety is to be able to look at the, the situation that we're experiencing. And of course, when anxiety worsens, we know it immediately because we feel it in the body. We feel it in the form of somatic complaints like headaches, stomach aches, and different parts of the body. And of course, these are valuable signposts for us. They are uh, pieces of valuable information that allow us to begin to learn more about ourselves. They get our attention. And when we begin to work with them, then the anxiety begins to be abated. It reduces, and we find the ability to be able to manage it. If you are seeking to manage anxiety and you notice what the situation is that you've had that provokes the anxiety, you will uh, basically ask yourself a question. And it is, what are the aspects of the circumstances that I can control? What is within, and basically that is, what is within your control? Sometimes many of the circumstances are not even within your control, except for what you are thinking and what you are feeling. And of course, being able to address those issues that your, your thoughts and your feelings, it eventually leads to your behavior, which builds healthy skills for being able to manage and reduce anxiety ultimately. To sustainably be able to manage the anxiety, it does take a little bit of work in my opinion. It involves getting to what we call the core beliefs. And those core beliefs that we have within us have a tendency to anchor conditions like depression and anxiety and then perpetuate the cycle. And for anyone who wants to know more about how to address the core issues, uh, basically we pull them up at the roots, people begin to deal with them, they look at them, they understand them and create interventions around them to be able to lead a happier and healthy life. 
And if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out and connect with this panel. Please feel free to have a conversation with me or anyone you know who understands and wants to support you. It will make all the difference for you moving forward. And thank you very much. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much, Anne. You're always a wealth of knowledge and just knowing that there is help. Um, I love what you said about the ones that get help are the ones that really are doing the right things, right? Sometimes we say, well, we don't know what to do, but just ask someone and um, get the assistance, right? So thank you for reminding us of how important that is. Our next panelist tonight is Olga Brooks. Good to see you again, Olga. Um, you are the quantum energy healer. She's the international best-selling author through co-authoring books. She's one of the leaders of the global movement, Women of Contribution, inspiring women all over the world with her life story and the wisdom to heal and be whole. We're really excited to hear from you tonight, Olga. I'm so happy to be back. Um, I have heard many panelists and it's lots of great information. Now, I really, um, there, I, I separate mental problems or mental uh, conditions to just conditions of us all. Like, like someone said, all of us experience anxieties. Does it have to be a mental condition? It really is not. But the awareness of it, what it is going on with all of us, that all of us get scared. Um, anxiety is a fear. Anxiety is a projected fear of something that might not even happen. But we all prone to do this. We all entertain the thoughts of what if, what if. So we also um, have a condition of being so used to creating this within ourselves. Uh, uh, within ourselves that we sometimes don't even know how it feels not to worry. Because look, the reality is if I'm not going to worry about my children, I would feel like I'm a bad mother. The reality is if I'm not going to worry about money, I would not move and do something about it. So all of us naturally really already have that fear within ourselves. Now, I would like to tell you that it doesn't have to be this way. I had experienced something absolutely crazy and I would like to share it with all of you. I had felt at such peace. My son uh, is 14 years old. He's going through crazy restorative um, surgery on the 21st of April. So he will have to have a metal, like titanium rods installed in his body and a lift up, open up his rib cage because it hasn't been developing well. So I'm thinking, I don't want him to go through this. How is it gonna go? Is it gonna be okay? I, I felt at such peace 
I mean, I could have asked all those questions. And of course I had done it through going uh, to the surgeon that he explained to us how it goes, but then I'm at absolute peace. And one thought came to my mind, this is very um, narcissistic. Narcissistic, I'm not worrying about anything. And the thought, this thought came to my mind that we are so prone to worry because that keeps us righteous, that keeps us a good people. But it's not because worry doesn't really bring us anywhere. So this is just naturally to talk to people who usually worry. I don't even know if I had um, an anxiety attack. I listened to uh, some people. I came from Russia. I survived. Um, I survived Russia. I survived um, stroke at the age of 27. I survived divorce. I'm surviving living on my own in the United States, not having any support of the family. Um, I survived um, death of my brother at the age of 22, 24 in the crazy 90s in Russia. Um, I survived death of my father. He had cancer. The most difficult part in my life was divorce because there is something, and I think lots of mothers have that because we worry about children. If we were on our own, we would probably be okay. But because we have the weight within ourselves to provide for children, to make sure they're okay, to make sure we are okay for our children. And that's where all the anxieties, the finances, finances, um, a lot of men, um, they have such stress of providing, of making sure they make it in a way that they feel good about themselves. So we have so much of it. Um, but the reality is we do project something that might not even happen. Uh, for us, time is linear. For God, time doesn't exist because it's obvious. And the reality is today came, came and it's gonna go away and tomorrow will come and it will live the same way. So how is that that we're worrying about tomorrow, but it goes like this, it goes like this, tomorrow is gone and then it's next tomorrow. So when we, I, I believe that we need to deal with, the, with um, anxieties when we don't have it. When we are at peace, it doesn't mean you just enjoy it and just oh, nice. And then it hits you and you're like, what am I going to do now? Okay, it's crazy. We do have those moments. I have those moments. But what we need to learn is to be present within our bodies because we are spiritual beings. We are not just physical. So what happens with us vibrationally on the um we we're all everything vibrates around us everything is movement and energy so whatever energy we are producing every day within ourselves to share with others uh whatever we're holding within ourselves this is our choice this is our observation to know what it is i am so my company is the return 
the return to self, the return to wholeness. Be curious about yourself. How is it you're living in this body? Who is that inside of you? How does it vibrate? Does it vibrate in fear? Because the fear and the freedom and love vibrates on the different levels. So observe yourself. How is it you're vibrating when it's not, when you're not fearful? How is it you're feeling not just the body, the heart and everything that you're producing? So I would recommend to have those beautiful friends that you have if you don't have them make those friends it is so important to have those and i and i love it you know i i'm studying rapid transformational therapy with marisa peer and she's amazing i was learning lesson today because i would like to help people on a very very deep level um dealing with many many childhood problems and she said she said um feelings are like gas, it has to come out. <laughs> it is an amazing, um, like you can see that whatever we're holding in, it will bring us down. It has to come out, be that happiness or be that, well, happiness, it's, it, I think naturally because it's a high vibrations, it's always out. Now, when we're holding low vibrations within ourselves, that will bring us down. So we need to have those people around us who you can connect and say, I feel shitty today. Okay. And with other person's vibrations, the one that is really good friend of yours. Um, and I had those conversations with people. Uh, uh, Russians are very tough. So they're tough friends. Um, I called a friend and I was so afraid that... Um, my ex-husband was taking me to court. I just understood what he was doing and I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, so I was talking to my friend and she said, oh, you are just exaggerating. Or she said, uh, you're just dramatizing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm done, I'm good, bye-bye. <laughs> so that is not the support that I needed. Recognize, and, and create that support around you. Create that support of people who know you inside, who would not tell you that, or you're just dramatizing it. It cannot be dismissed. The fear is real, but it's not. So in those people around you can show you in a gentle way that that fear might be projected, but it can be um, changed. You can change your um, ability. You can... With the good friends, there are abilities to shift your thinking. So I, I, I'm open to anyone who would like to connect anytime. You know, I, I'm a very great uplifter um, with that. And I understand that we're all going through lots of lots of emotions through all our lifetime. And we have um, um, our seasons for that. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Melanie, for it. Uh, uh, you're the greatest interviewer. I just love it. <laughs> so, and thank you, Gigi. It's awesome to be here. Thank you, Olga. Thank you so much, Olga. What a wealth of knowledge and uh, good luck to your son. Ho hoping the best for him. So 31.2% of Americans experience anxiety disorder at some point in their life. 
This is according to the National Comorbidity Survey. At least a third of U.S. adults suffer from one of the following anxiety disorders. Panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, agoraphobia, specific phobias, social anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive-compulsive disorder, or separation anxiety disorder. Our next panelist, Brandy, I know I'm going to butcher your name and I apologize. <laughs> Shampoo? Yes, fantastic. Having survived homelessness, domestic abuse, pregnancy-induced heart failure, and devastating natural disasters, Brandy knows how to rise from the ashes. She has not only survived, but is now living her best expression. She's a single mother of three children, including one with special needs, is an author, speaker, and curriculum developer. She's also the co-founder of Exploring Expression, a company that provides products, services, and publishing in support of learning lifestyles. Through Exploring Expression, Brandy helps parents and educators become the best expression of themselves so they can make learning fun, easy, and natural, not just for their children, but for themselves. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you very much. I'm thrilled. I've, I've already learned so much through this and through all the speakers um, that I've been listening to before now. Um, I wanted to take a little bit of a different track and talk about my experience um, with anxiety as it relates to being a generational curse. You know, um, Growing up, my mother was bipolar. She had manic depressive. And so she went through many, many bouts of anxiety. And as I came into adulthood and began to experience anxiety and experience panic attacks, and those moments when you think you're dying or you think you're having a heart attack or you don't know what's going on, um, you know, I didn't see them as connected. I didn't see the idea of my mother had this and so now so now I am going through this. It wasn't until, because, you know, with all of the small traumas in my life, I equated anxiety to a reaction to trauma, to a reaction to all the traumas all along. And it wasn't until I started witnessing my children begin to have panic attacks and my children going through their own, um, their own anxiety issues that you know, it gave me a pause and I said, wait a minute, um, how is this happening? How are they becoming my self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, and how can I help them? How can I help my children both understand um, what I'm going through and how to help me if I'm in the midst? Because I remember being a child and being a teen with my mother going through a panic attack and just being completely unprepared and it was it's a frightening experience for it was a frightening experience for me as a child and so I can only imagine the experience my children have watching me go through it and so I began to begin to look at how can I make this easier for myself so that I can make it easier for my children as they not only live with me through it, but then as they grow into their adulthood, you know, how, how can I help them not have to, um, 
not have to follow the same path that I took to get here. Because, you know, we all, we all want our children to live slightly better than we lived. And we walk some of the paths so that they don't have to. And so I came up with a couple of things, just a, a couple of quick things on how you can um, better manage your anxiety and also communicate. Because a lot of what I do is deals with communication. How can we communicate to ourselves and how can we communicate to our children to help us all live better lives? So I came up with three things to help us um, interface with our children about anxiety, both from our standpoint and from their standpoint. And the first one is to be honest, to be honest. Growing up, um, you know, my parents never acknowledged that what, that's what was going on. And so it was that much more frightening for me because I didn't have the information and I didn't have the tools that would help me help myself and help them. And so one of the things I would say when communicating with your children is definitely be honest and be upfront that anxiety is a mental illness and mental illnesses are natural. Mental illnesses are okay. I think so much in our society, we um, look upon illnesses, especially mental illnesses, as something that A, you should just get over, right? or B, um, you become less of because of. And so one of the things I would say is be honest with your children and treat it as a natural, treat it like having diabetes. You know, we don't, we don't hide the fact that someone's a diabetic or we don't hide the fact that, you know, someone has a hearing loss. Be honest and upfront with your children that this is what's going on so that when they start having those symptoms when, you know, when my seven-year-old son is frozen in front of his bicycle, you know, in a full-blown panic attack and he can't breathe and he doesn't know what's going on, I can say, remember, remember how I describe my anxiety attacks? Is this what you're feeling now? And if it's what you're feeling now, let me help you using some of the tools I help myself with. So then the second thing I have, the second tip is to choose your words carefully. Um, there's a difference between saying, I suffer from anxiety and I live with anxiety, right? The connotation, you know, in a lot of what I do, um, I talk about that words have power, use them well. And the words we choose to use when we describe ourselves and when we describe our children become the mirrors they look upon. And so when you use words like suffer or illness or, um, you know, sadness or words with negative connotations, they equate that to a negative feeling. But when you use words that are positive, like I experience panic attacks, I, I am not an anxiety sufferer, I am an anxiety survivor just by changing from suffering to surviving makes you this much more powerful in yourself, to yourself, and makes your children that much more powerful to themselves. And then the third thing is to make it natural to seek help. You know, that's one of the things I remember in growing up is that, um, you know, my father was, I also have a brother that had um, a conduct disorder and bipolar growing up. 
and was in and out of different sort of mental health treatments. And it really um, gave my father a negative, a negative attitude towards seeking mental health treatments. And so now that I'm bringing up my children, I want them to know that it's a natural thing to seek mental health help. If you have a cold or if you have the flu, you're going to go to your doctor, right? If you are physically not feeling well, you will go to your doctor. It should be no different than if you are mentally not feeling well. And that's what a panic attack is. It's a mental illness that sometimes requires a doctor or sometimes requires a specialist or sometimes requires outside assistance and that's okay and that's natural. And I think that's one of the things that so oftentimes, especially for children, um, we try to hide our weakness. And in trying to hide our weakness, we make it seem that being, that being weak or being weaker or needing help is something bad. And, and I tell my kids that uh, even superheroes need a sidekick sometimes, right? And when you are feeling anxious, when you're having a panic attack, when you're feeling depressed, you know, when you're going through those bouts, it's okay to ask for help because they see me, you know, and I'm a single mother. So I'm, you know, the only authority parent that they have, they see me saying, it's okay to be okay with needing help because that's how we heal and that's how we get better. If we don't know something, that's how we find out. So, you know, I, I didn't have, I didn't want to, you know, go on too long, but I really thought it was important to talk, you know, to, to really bring up the idea that it's so crucial to take care of ourselves and seek the help we need because we are our children's mirror of the world. And if we don't do it for ourselves, they won't learn that it's okay to do it for themselves. So, and if anybody needs any, you know, has any questions or needs um, any advice on how they can start having those conversations with their children, then, then definitely, um, definitely reach out to me because I'm here to help. Thank you, Brandy. Uh -huh. Thank you, Brandy. What a great reminder to be a great role model for our kids, right? They watch what we do. Thank you for that. Our next panelist, oh my goodness. Kim Garcia, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, I'd like to introduce you. You're the founder and the CEO of Seed of Wellness Center, LLC. You're a licensed international forensic graphologist and has worked with the, a therapist, forensic practitioner, training instructor for 29 years, a leading authority on handwriting analysis and the neurological basis behind different handwriting sets, you possess knowledge and expertise that put you in a unique, a unique position to assist others. Kimberly also counsels families and small groups on recognizing handwriting trait indicators that are detrimental to the individual. Some of these traits include violence, anxiety, depression, narcissism, suicidal tendencies, and abuse. Therapeutic forums and women's empowerment group sessions are also a part of Kimberly's services. These group sessions provide guidance and help with concerns by studying their handwriting and creating graphological exercise changes in their handwriting that will render the strength to move past mental barriers 
to rise to their highest potential and increase productivity at home and in the workplace. These proven methods help many turn their careers and lives around by showing the physical process of handwriting, revealing the subconscious mind as it connects to the art and science of healing. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Kim. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Gigi, for uh, inviting me to speak. I know that this is definitely a topic that does not discriminate by any means. And I think that to say that anxiety only affects a certain age or individual would definitely be an unrealistic statement to make. So instead of um, unloading um, my anxiety woes on you, I feel it would be more prudent to give you insight into the mind of anxiety. Um, from the childhood into adult lives, anxiety has no problem definitely taking root inside the unsuspecting mind. And does anxiety affect me? Oh, heck yes, it does. I'm an empath for one, and sometimes I take on the energies of my clients. And the majority of my clients are suicidal children, um, depressed, angry, aggressive, sexually, mentally abused individuals. So actually I have a choice to make. Do I allow that anxiety to take hold of me and set up camp inside my mind? Or do I let it go? For some, the letting go may not be easy. And um, for others, some of those may um, run down a path of self-destruct by self-medicating in various ways to ease or hide the anxiety. But what if you knew how to change your mental perspective um, to release your anxiety? and in turn change your emotional and physical outcome. What if you could find a way to cope, soften or erase the emotional and physical outcome? So in my line of work as a forensic handwriting therapist, I know firsthand the importance of handwriting and how it can begin to release any pent up anger inside the subconscious mind. Before it has a chance to even erupt, now, how this works is handwriting actually affects every cell in the body. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't realize that part. Handwriting is actually mind writing. Everything that affects us emotionally, physically, psychologically will enter into the subconscious mind and it will create what we call a timestamp memory. Now, any negative trigger points that are hiding out in the subconscious can actually be released by writing. So changing certain letters in your handwriting when you're journaling or even specific um, doodling shapes can have a calming effect on your mind. So when you choose to write, it will begin to release the emotional and physical effects of anxiety. Now, if you're unable to write, not a problem because there's other ways that you can change the mindset. And one of those ways is what I like to call is change the mind channel. Changing the mind channel is where you change what you're thinking about. So one thing you have to keep in mind is that your actions are always gonna follow your thoughts. So with that in mind, then you know, change the thought, change the channel. So your thoughts are gonna stir up the emotions, and those emotions can actually lead to physical ailments. So change the mind channel. Take a walk, read a good book, 
Watch a funny movie, do breathing exercises, listen to music, the list can go on. Basically doing any action can disrupt an anxiety thought to help you regain your sense of control. But I will tell you, being indecisive about changing the mind channel could actually keep you from moving forward and allowing any anxiety, um, allowing that anxiety to actually become your best friend. So I'm pretty sure that's not what you'd like to have happen. So for my biggest anxiety buster, for me, it's my relationship with God. Laughing with my children, my grandchildren, my family members, and my friends. Journaling, of course, that's a big one. And meditating, listening to music, loving on my two big fur babies. But you want to know what a really cool thing is? Ah, excuse me, I had something biting my foot. <laughs> is once you learn, once you learn what those God-given resources are within you, well, whether it be by journaling or changing your mind channel to the station that will actually work for you, that's when you will really find yourself becoming an anxiety survivor. Now, I would like to end with a passage. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I want you to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is Philippians 4.8. Now, if you would like to know more on how writing, handwriting can transform your life by changing your handwriting, you can reach me through my website at Seed of Wellness Center. That's S-E-E-D of wellnesscenter.com. Or you can also find me on LinkedIn. Thank you all for listening. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. A whole different spin on things we need to be paying attention to, right? It's all about the forensics and, and the stress really does show up in our physical symptoms uh, so much. So thank you for that education. Very yeah. Donna Campbell, welcome back. You are our last panelist tonight. We're excited to hear from you. You are known as the mind whisperer. You combine your past knowledge, wisdom, and experience to assist you in creating and restoring a life of happiness, prosperity, and love. You have over 25 years combined years of professional experience. As a former financial advisor, um, your book, Financially Fit, is number one as an Amazon international bestseller, bringing together the world of money and the energy body and the soul's essence. Your professional speaker sharing your techniques during interactive workshops and maintains an international private practice. Now you've shared the stage with Lisa Nichols, Dr. Joe Vitale, Sharon Lecter, and David Meltzer. Your personal heart-centered healing philosophy is to create a world that is a better place for all of us to live. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thank you for having me here today. It is um, a pleasure to be back. And what I'd like to share a little bit about is how our mind can be conditioned to be in a certain state, such as anxiety, because that is how my story started out. Um, 
The subconscious records every single event from the moment you're conceived to the day you exit this earth. And it's constantly assigning feelings and emotions to those events. So everything that comes up in childhood for us is a repeating pattern throughout life until we change it to a different feeling or emotion. So for me, I grew up in an environment where anxiety was normal. I was conditioned to be in a certain state of mind. I didn't know that it wasn't natural that I could have been at peace or that I could have had something a little bit different. And what that anxiety did was it triggered me into different fears. And a lot of it had to do with my mom because you didn't know uh, one day if you were going to be in a good happy state when she came through the door or the next day she wasn't. So it was like walking on eggshells. So you didn't know what was going to happen or how to respond until it happened. Over time, those patterns for me continued until I was in a relationship that the person after two years decided to become abusive. Yes, I walked on eggshells during that entire relationship, not knowing what was going to happen, and then started having panic attacks. There's always a gift in everything that we do, in every life that we have. And the gift that came out of all of this for me was that I was able to form my own company called The Healing Heart. Because I started learning and uncovering different patterns of behavior that we can change to, to shift and change those preconditioned mind thoughts and energies. And with the healing heart, I was shown that was the name of my company because all healing is a matter of the heart. So I dedicated my life to uncovering what some of these strategies are. And the one main strategy that I'm going to share, I learned from a medicine woman, and she taught me how to pivot and shift. At first, it was physically if the person was becoming abusive or the energy wasn't right, if I felt like I was going to go into a panic attack, to physically move my body. Because every time that I did, the energy of the room would change. So if I was sitting down, stand up. If I was standing, go get a glass of water. If I needed to leave the room or leave the house. One, it kept me safe. Two, the anxiety or the stress that was building up in my body was able to leave. And then from there, she taught me how to change that on an emotional level. And that's what I do for myself. That's what I do in my business for clients, whether it's stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, whatever those energies are, you have the power to change it. You only have to recognize it. Another really quick tip is a breathing exercise that I also utilize that I learned from a yoga healer. And what he shared was when we breathe in, we're breathing in oxygen, all the good things in life. And when we breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide, which is all the things and the toxins our body doesn't want. So it was a way to focus the mind that when you breathe in, you're going to breathe in peace, you're going to bring in balance, or maybe the opposite energy, happiness, and you're going to breathe out stress, anxiety, and fear.
And when you do that for a couple of minutes, the whole body physiologically changes inside. So there's the two tips that I can share with you that you can consciously do to move forward to help change those preconditioned mind thoughts that we have growing up. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. Great tips for us to remember. You know, it's all about just taking control over that mindset. We've yeah. heard it again and again and again. And I hope that if you just tuned in or you were watching this from the very beginning, you had your journals and there are so many places that you can go to uh, to get the help that is needed. Now, I'd like to transition into our sponsors tonight because we have people that without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. And so I just like to take a couple of seconds here to thank uh, Michael Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing. I know he can't be with us tonight. Um, Daniel Gomez, I'm not sure if he is here in the room, um, but I know Rod Rodney Sinekas is here and I'd like to give her some time to speak. She is the founder of World Women Conference and Awards and Women Entrepreneurs TV, Changemakers Coach and Public Speaker. Welcome, Rodney, and thank you for always supporting and joining us tonight. Beautiful, Rada. Extraordinary event, and I want to congratulate every single um, speaker who has been here sharing their own very, very intimate uh, stories and the experiences, and um, and hoping that every single story has the power to change someone else's life. And uh, definitely, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, each one of them touched someone. And uh, by, by doing so, uh, we are able to, to be the change makers in our own lives and, uh, and, and in others. I think the, the only reflection which I would like to do today is that um, with better awareness, we are able to make better decisions. And with having the, the opportunity to make better decisions, we are able to get better results. So uh, whatever, wherever you are at this point in your life, just keep in your mind that uh, you are never de defined by your circumstances. So the anxiety of, uh, of whether it comes from your past experience and you are afraid that it's going to be repeated or whether it's the anxiety, what's going to happen tomorrow, which as every single person who has mentioned is a probability that it's never going to, then, uh, then have the awareness of uh, what it means to live now, the power of now. So uh, I think that's, that's, that's the, the starting point when you feel the anxiety just uh, be be aware and be conscious of the of the power of now and i think uh, from there you you can start to manage so many things and i i'm so happy with all those uh, very tactical uh, tactical advices which we're giving because uh, yes doing sports taking care of yourself uh, really taking care of yourself is is the one that you need you need to put the mask on on yourself first and then you can help others so uh, so do do so really do so and love yourself take care of yourself and you will be fine and uh, beautiful 
I want to congratulate you, Gigi. Again, what a marvelous event, and we are so proud to to have you with uh, with us at, as a. Uh, chapter leader for Florida for World Women Conference of the Words, uh, Lakeisha James, uh, the Atlanta's chapter leader. You guys are rocking it. You are such an incredible team together. And Melanie, you just uh, you 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 don't stop to to surprise me every time. I'm I'm now uh, really looking forward to every event because you you add so much value to to everybody who's taking part and who's listening and uh, and that's a beautiful part so I, I just wish everybody who you are watching that uh, you did make notes and uh, more than anything else also take action by taking action you can become the hero of your own life and when you share this video this uh, transmission you can become the hero in someone else's life so do it thank you very much thank you Rangi. thank you so much Rodney it's so great to see you always an inspiration to all of us. So thank you to everyone that has continued to join us tonight. Uh, remember that there is a Facebook group that we'd like for you to join us for more conversation. Uh, you have specialists and physicians, um, all kinds of help that you can reach out to for resources. I'd like to turn it over to um, Lakeisha. Now I know you're going to say a prayer for us. Yes, before Lakeisha ends off with the prayer, I wanted to go ahead and, and end off by sharing my story in regards to overcoming anxiety. And I share this with you all here today, but before I go into that, I wanna tell you all that the stigma in regards to anxiety and mental health, health and here today, you are not anxiety and anxiety does not define you. Never let anxiety keep you from living. There is hope. The individuals who share their stories today, they are your hope. If you're listening to this message today, you are not alone. You've heard from several of the survivors today that they have overcome anxiety. You can overcome anxiety. You can begin to live your life. I'll backtrack here and I'll tell you this. When I was eight, I was sexually assaulted and that triggered anxiety for me. When an individual has anxiety, it leads to panic attacks. And those panic attacks come on suddenly, unexpected. And that affected my social relationships and my trust in people growing up. And here's the thing, I took all the precautions possible in my entire life to prevent something like sexual assault from ever happening again in my life. But unfortunately, it happened again to me as an adult. And I stand before you today again to tell you that it is possible to overcome anxiety. For me, again, anxiety came suddenly, unexpected. And the day I knew that I needed to overcome anxiety was the day that it happened right before I entered the building of going into work while I was in the vehicle, which then led to me being hospitalized because of a panic attack. So if you're listening to this message today, again, you're not alone. You too can overcome. It all starts with you. As Ragnar Sinek has mentioned, 
you have to make sure that you're filled this, your, your cup is filled first and your mask is on first before you can help anyone else. I went into full recovery in regards to anxiety as well. And I, I told you before, I have overcome anxiety and you can too. You have to, ha it's all in your mindset. You have to shift your mindset. And here's the thing that helped me. Write this down. Anxiety, like fear, is only as real as you believe it to be. It's just like anything else. You think of a financial matrix. Once you're out of that financial matrix and you understand financial literacy, then you're out of the financial matrix. So just think of anxiety like a matrix. It's just a mental matrix. But once you understand that it's only as real as you believe it to be like fear, you can step out of it. I haven't had a panic attack in years. I stand before you as the woman I am today, being able to share my voice because I overcame anxiety. And you can too. You can overcome your anxiety. You are not truly living until you overcome your anxiety. Your true voice is on the other side of anxiety. It is possible. You can overcome. And understand this, God has a purpose for your life. You are not anxiety. Anxiety does not define you. Do not let society define who you are or keep you from reaching your goals and your dreams. Everything is possible with God. And understand this, God knows the plans that he has for you. God will not bring you to anything that he will not get you through. You will get through anxiety. Starting today, no longer will you let anxiety keep you from living your life. It ends here. That's it. Let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go, let it all wash away. And remember this, Joshua 1.9 states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, remember God is with you wherever you go. You're not alone. Keep moving forward. And thank you all again for being here today. This discussion continues in the discussion group on our Facebook, Anxiety Discussion Group. And what better place than a place with leaders who have survived anxiety themselves and again, I appreciate all of the sponsors here today, Melanie Ake, Lakeisha James, Ragnar Sinikis, Michael D. Butler, and Daniel Gomez. Your support of all of us survivors truly matters. You all show up over and over again to show your support for these survivors, including myself, and it means the world to us. So we appreciate all of you, and thank you to all the speakers and the attendees who came here today. I appreciate you.